Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wherever she goes, I go, we roll, we go Flying over cities down to Rio, it's Rio Love that I feel, oh nothing lasts forever But I'm down for the minute, so just chill Wherever she goes, I go, we roll, we go Flying over cities down to Rio, it's Rio Love that I feel, oh nothing lasts forever But I'm down for the minute, so just chill Happy Wednesday, everyone. Hump Day has arrived. We will elevate you beyond that, though. Let's start the stretch towards the weekend. We love the weekend. We're always working for the weekend. Welcome into Izzy and Kempi for breakfast, the Daniel McCarty version. I'm back. Kempi's still here. Fear not, people. Don't worry. The big fella's here. <laughs> He's rearing to go. Jokes by Joe's also here. Neeps is also here. We'll take you through to 9 o'clock. Kempi, we're a good Joe. Now, let's... Let's talk it up. We've got a great show today. Uh, we're going to talk NBA playoffs. What a wonderful time to be alive. It is um, so much sport globally around New Zealand, Australasia. Seth Partnow is going to join us, author of the Mid-Range Theory. We'll talk some NBA. You got a hoops team, uh, Kempe? Uh, yeah, I have. I'm, look, I'm an old tragic when it comes to the LA Lakers, you know, with uh, Kobe, ah. Kobe Bryant. Um, of course, Shaq was there. Those years uh, were probably the same years that I was playing. Uh, if I go right back, you, you go back to MJ days, um, Scotty Pippen, you know Rodman, those Chicago Bull days where they just won everything. So that I'll pick you know, one man. I'm a tra- I'm you a tragic. You can't have two teams. You well, can't have two teams, uh, Skippy. Well, yeah, I'll go Lakers. Nice, fair enough. Uh, we'll talk uh, the NBA. Uber Warriors fan and comedian Paul Douglas also joins the show as we talk Warriors fandom. Uh, the Warriors fans must be loving life. How could you not? One win off the top spot. Yeah, just one win behind the competition-leading uh, Brisbane Broncos. We'll catch up with him. We will also break down the appointment of new Wellington Phoenix coach Giancarlo Italiano, who's been handed a two-year deal to replace departing Phoenix boss Ufuk Tele. Kempi, how are you doing on hump day, son? 
I'm good, mate. Wednesday. Wednesday's a big day here in SENZ. Obviously, we're running it straight this afternoon. Myself and Sammy Hewitt will be kicking that off at 3 o'clock. Uh, we've got a, a decent sort of following now, Dan, with the show been going for nearly a year, yes. and just nearly on a year. Um, and, of course, when the Warriors are sitting, like you said, two points uh, behind first place, the Brisbane Broncos, you've got plenty of people tuning in. It's live on Facebook and, and YouTube as well. So, um, yeah, that's uh, always a, a really good part of the day for me because we bring boys in too. We got a really good chat last week with Dylan Walker and uh, this week I wanted to get to Maury Martin and, so that we could have a chat about his ankle and, and just get some rundown on, on injuries, which are playing a massive part in, yeah. I guess, Dan, you see this too with, with Phoenix and with cricket. Uh, injuries during the season play a massive part in, in the outcome of uh, of teams, I guess, run through to the, the back end of the year. So, um, yeah, mate, no, I'm really good. Wednesday's, like, you know, the rain's not here. I've just checked all the all the rain <laughs> forecasts. I know it's raining down where you are. Up in here we're expecting, it's always the way, I'm heading up north um, for the weekend and generally when I head up north it rains and it's no different this weekend. The rain's coming. Well, and the people are going to start calling for the north saying, stay there. <laughs> yeah. Stay there. We don't need any more rain up here, Kempe. Can you just stay in Auckland, please? Oh, I know. Do, do them all a favour. But you've got to go home, brother, don't you? You've got to go home. Yeah, you do. You've got to You've got to sort of have a little bit of a, a time out, um, I guess. But it's sort of, you know, the the long weekend too. People don't probably haven't realised this, but the Warriors don't play till Tuesday night. Um, yeah. They haven't, you know, they... I think they get back to training today, actually, because uh, Webby gave. I know I've spoke to um, Richie Yeager, who's the assistant coach, who's down in Queenstown at the moment. He's got, got his partner over from England, and they've headed down to Queenstown for three days. And I thought, shit, that's okay. But um, he's Webby dialing up the romance, mate. He's dialing yeah. up the romance, isn't th- he? Good I, on him. I think it's a good. I think it's good timing <laughs> for the for the Warriors boys to actually have yeah. a break because they're. You know, one of only a few teams that haven't been able to, to slide in a buy in the first six rounds. They don't get one to round 12. I think if they get to round 12 in good shape and they're still inside the four, I think like 2001, um, and I'm wow. taking it back there, this team sneaks into the eight. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm now starting to believe that they're good enough, especially after the weekend and the way that they performed, which was pretty average. They can win ugly, which means that their effort, and especially the yeah. defensive effort, which... Uh, we'll talk about this afternoon. They only missed 17 tackles in a game, which is unheard of. Um, yeah. Means that they're showing up week in, week out with the right attitude. And if you're doing that in this competition at the moment with four points separating one to 15, mate, you, you're a dead set chance. So Wednesday's a good day, Dan. It's rugby league day for, day for me. And uh, I know it is for our listeners too, because they get to tune in at, uh, th- between three and four to me and Sammy Hewitt. And Sammy in rugby league, they're like, uh, they're like mince and cheese and pies. <laughs> what a great comparison Just a match made in heaven So Monster Day for Kempe 3 to 4 He'll be in makeup from about midday um, And ready to rock uh, That will be streamed live Make sure you, you catch that from 3 o'clock um, I'm going to start off with a little bit of history uh, 56 years ago today uh, Tony Kemp You were probably being conceived But we'll put that to the side um, Dave McKenzie won the prestigious Boston Marathon In a course record time McKenzie hailed from a little town on the west coast A little town on the west coast I wonder if Kempe knows Especially when I tell him It was the same town as the one and only George Menzies George Menzies Greatest standoff ever in New Zealand I should say number two, but I can't say that because <laughs> he, he actually he actually got he actually got chosen as number one from a small from a small club called Runanga. 
um, which I actually played against Dan, and uh, yeah. I, I was probably thought about in 1956, but not conceived. I had to wait another <laughs> another 12 years. Uh, <laughs> but mate, a great player, obviously coached the Kiwis, and um, at the time the West Coast would produce the most Kiwis too, coming out of that small mining town down there. And I look, I had the privilege of playing down there. Um, through the back end of that great era. And I've got to yeah. say, I went down there with Ranwick, actually, where, where you are, down in the team Mighty from Ranwick. Mighty Ranwick Kingfishers. And it was the first game in the Tusk Cup. Remember that, the Tusk Cup? So oh, you, yeah. So you're the best teams around New Zealand in rugby league, and you get you get um, drawn out against each other. And, of course, you know, the top teams in the cities get drawn out against these rural teams, and we got drawn Runanga, uh, Runanga in the – from the west coast went down there, mate. We got home, I reckon, in the last minute. We got bashed. They bashed us all over the park, and uh, and they must have paid the ref off. Old Nev Keisha, his name was, because uh, he never bought a drink. I noticed after the game in the in the club room, and he, he just about got them home. I actually said something to him in the toilets. I think when I went in there, followed him and called him all sorts of like. Oh, mate, they've been names. making the most. <laughs> They've been making the most of their resources on the coast for years, fella, for generations. <laughs> well, see, I come from one of those small towns, so I yeah. know those stories only too well. Yeah, uh, I can tell yeah. you a few because at Tusk Cup, I uh, I grew up with it and played in it, and yet when Mount Albert and Otahu, which were the two great Auckland sides back then, Frank Tinatili, if you remember him scoring that try, he was in that mm. Otahu side back then with Mark Graham and Huey McGann, and then of course Mount Albert with the likes of Shane Cooper. Um, and and uh, Big Bourneville and all those players came to our little town and, uh, yeah, they didn't make it back to bed till oh, all sorts of hours <laughs> that morning before the game. And, <laughs> Brilliant. And got home in the last minute, both games against us. So, yes, I know exactly what Runanga were trying to do. And Mr Menzies is um, regarded as the best standoff to yeah. play in, the, in that Kiwi jersey. So... That, that coming from someone who played back in the 30s is a fantastic accolade. Yeah, it really is. And, and there is a tenuous link here, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Uh, don't fret. Um, we, we're we're going to take a look today at what makes New Zealand such a successful sporting nation. Just look at how we achieved it, say, the last Olympic Games. Um, and uh, one man will uh, offer a thesis today that uh, kids who grow up in rural areas often thrive the most athletically. Now, his name is Bob Newport, and Bob has completed a study on this very topic as part of his master's at AUT. And Kempe's already just rattled off a number of stories there um, about small-town New Zealand producing wonderful players, you know. Um, and it's not just rugby league. There's a whole heap of examples, both uh, contemporary and also through the ages, of course, where, um, you know, we've had world beaters come out of our small towns in New Zealand. And this leads us to our can't wait question of the day. We want to know, and this is sort of, you're, we've talked about, um, you know, it's in the bag, Salwyn, with great reverence over the last couple of days. Can I take you back to some magnificent TV of my youth? Remember Top Town? Remember uh, Top Town? Mate, I, I competed in Top Town. No way! I was a 15-year-old and coming up through the ranks at Taranaki and actually got uh, got... Scouted. <laughs> I thought it was. You're kidding, mate! I thought it was great fun. I just, honestly, the amount of obstacles that they put up for for a kid to try and get through was unbelievable. Incredible! I I, I did not know this. This is not a stitch up. I had no idea. Um, I'm I, I'm blushing. I'm all nervous. I'm starstruck. <laughs> Top town. Kempe of Top Town fame. How, how did I not know this? But we want to know which rural or small New Zealand town 
produces the best sporting talent. So why Top Town? It's time to blow your own trumpet of your town if you're listening around New Zealand on SENZ. We'd love to hear from you. For example, and tell us who you got. Uh, what event do they uh, compete in? Whether it's today or through the years. What code? Send it through. Double eight, double three. I can't wait. Question of the day. We want to know which uh, smaller rural New Zealand town produces the best sporting talent. That's a... Go on, let us know. Well, of course, I know who it is. And who? by country, it's Waitara, mate. It's my hometown. Yeah. Tony Kemp, A. A, Tony Kemp, B. Who's, who's, who's number two on the list? <laughs> I'll, t- and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. One of my, one of my dad's mates, he often refers to how um, and why our small town produced so many good players or athletes. Um, and he says, because we used to fight for oxygen in that town. <laughs> he said we knew how to scrap and we'd scrap for oxygen if we had to and I'll rattle off a couple of names Dan and you'll be uh, you'll be quite surprised okay and uh, I'll start with Jared Martin and Bevan Martin obviously pitcher catcher for the Black Sox mm, um, wow one of them was a Hall of Famer well their fa- uh, Jared's father's Murray Martin he's a New Zealand golfer um, Charlie McAllister's a Māori All Black. Well, his son's Luke McAllister. He's an All Black, and his daughter's Kayla McAllister. He's a Sevens All Black. Got Jason Matthews, Pip, and and Pip Nyad, both New Zealand surfing champs. Um, you got Howie Tamani, of course, who's a Kiwi Kiwi ex Kiwi coach and player. And in the same club, you have me and Dave Watson. And then you have Karen Topping, who played netball for New Zealand. Do you want me to stop? That's a pretty good list. Now, I, I want someone to retort on double eight double three on the temper bedpost text machine. Come on. Someone in the South Island, you can't stand for this. The top of the north's going to run away with this one. Uh, I, I, I'm I happy know. to jump in Neeps on that front. His, I'm Neeps happy to jump in on that front. Up. Come um, on, Neeps. Defend why, your patch. Why, Tata? Yeah, all right, Kempe. Not bad. Um, let me just bring your attention <laughs> to a certain little town called Invercargill. Let me um let me bring you a city. It's mate, it's it's the biggest it's the biggest rural hub in New Zealand, Kimby. That's what it is. Um let me take your attention back to the 2012 Olympics. Just my score. Let's let's just go through my score of who was competing at that 2012 Olympics. We've got Nathan Cohen, uh Storm and Jade Uru, we've got Peter Taylor, we've got Eddie Dawkins, Louise Ailing, and then we also have Natasha Hansen. So there were six Olympians just in that one year from one school. Check the water. Oh, no, no you, you don't. <laughs> Sounds like an Eastern European <laughs> athletics program you don't from the wanna, 70s. You don't want to go near the Areti River. You'll catch something if you go swimming in there. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. It's awesome. Six out of one school. Mate, imagine that. Imagine that game of bull rush. Well, I'll I, I take you your Invercargill uh, and raise your Timaru. I could take your Timaru from my Invercargill, yeah, carry on. What, Daniel Loder? Jack Lovelock? Oh, Bob Fitzsimmons? He's throwing some names out. Those bombs. Mate, they're, they're <laughs> three absolute superstars of world sport. I can throw I'm sure in Craig uh, Cummings. I'm sure Craig Cummings probably picking up the phone right now going, yeah, McCarty. Yeah, yeah. I, I can throw. Yeah, a, you go for my Timaru. I can throw a Peter Snell into my mix as well. A Corbin Strong who's yeah. currently competing uh, at Tour de France level cycling. I can carry on. You know, I can go all day. Really. Hater Patton. There you go. Hater There's Patton. Timaru boy. I, I, I'm not even from Timaru. I don't know why I'm fighting for Timaru, but I am. 
Oh, he's got a good, we got the texters going too. Dan, here's a good one from Ed. Mutapata went a long way, Kempe and Tuscut. Remember that team? Yeah, I do. Ed, I remember playing some of those teams from the – it's going to be a great chat around rural today um, from all those rural areas. Mate, some, some footballers come out of those areas. You know, that story about Dan Carter and his goalposts out in the paddock. You know, yeah, and we're wondering, we're wondering why he turned into the best goal kicker in the world. You know what I mean? It, it wasn't a high performance centre, but it was for the Carters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what a player. What a player. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to come up with something, um, you know, clever and insightful about Daniel Carter, but no, there's nothing. Um, his, 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 well, his record they named, speaks I heard for they named, The parents named him after you, Dan. Wow. Yeah, if you want to follow in the footsteps of greatness, I, I guess it's a pretty wise idea. Uh, Kempe, uh, thanks for, for bringing uh, the nation's attention to that. Fantastic. So we want to know um, which small or rural New Zealand town or city in Bicargill, um has produced the best sporting talent, whether it's today or through the years. What events were people involved in? What code? Send it through. Send your stories. It's time to fight for your top town, I would think, Kempe. On double eight, double three on the Temper Bed Post text machine. You're listening to Daniel and Kempe for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrance. It is 19 minutes after 6 o'clock. It's time to take a break. Izzy and Kempe for breakfast indeed. Daniel McCarty in for Izzy as he swans around Europe doing something. Kempe and I are not paying particular <laughs> attention to him. Call any time on the Kenatire yeah, phone line. Kenatire is hiring big. Visit kenatire.co.nz. We're also uh, very keen for you to contribute via the text on the Timber Post text machine, 8883. I can't wait question of the day. Which small New Zealand town or rural town has produced the best sporting talent, whether it's today or from yesteryear? Who you got on your list? What event did they compete in? What sports? Uh, do let us know, Double eight, double three. We're actually going to talk about uh, what makes um, you know New Zealand such a fine sporting nation and a part of that. Uh, why Kiwi kids growing up in rural areas often thrive um, athletically. We're going to chat to Bob Newport, who's done a study on this a little bit later in the program. Really looking forward to it. Um, Kimby, I don't know about you. Um, you know, some people don't like correctors. I love them personally. I love correctors. Uh, Carl has uh, messaged in on double eight, double three. Um, saying, Kempe, Lee, Rabbi Chapman, and Peter Snell were from Opanaki, not Timaru. Cheers, Stratty. Uh, in my defence, Stratty, I didn't claim them for Timaru. Someone was claiming them for Southland. <laughs> yeah. Someone was claiming Sir Peter for Southland. Yeah, and just say, so you know, Lee Chapman. Lee Chapman grew up in Waitara and is a very, very yep. good friend of mine. Um, he passed away <laughs> a few years ago now, so just uh, he was very ill. And Peter Snell, gee, that's a big call. Peter Snell's a South mate. We've we've been claiming uh, him. We've been claiming him just for years. Strategy's just saying we're claiming he's from him. If you go down to the Southland Velodrome, take a take a walk and have a look at the Peter Snell Memorial that we've set up for our our fine Southlander. Well, you that should is, go Peter. to Opanaki. Oh, maybe I, maybe <laughs> exactly. they've, probably, they've probably got a better memorial for him there, don't they? <laughs> come on, yes, Peter come on, George Strady, Snell, KNZM, OBE, born in Opanaki, moved to, to the Waikato. Opanaki Southland. Schooling, didn't he? <laughs> Opanaki Southland. <laughs> I know. Hey, that's all right. I understand. You know what, Dan? I understand that when it gets to the South Islanders because i got one patch. You can't change their mind. Look at Izzy Dag. He's from Canterbury, isn't he? <laughs> just, the old, just the old South Island patch. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> Tumbleweed. There's a good text there, Kempe. You got that one? Yeah, pew pew, King Country. I knew this one, Farrah Palmer, because I drive through there every time I go go home. Uh, if you ever do go through there, make sure you stop 
at the Fat Pigeon, it's called, the, the cafe there. Ooh. There is, honestly. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what, even the name gets you, done not it? Um, <laughs> it and does. That's where Farrah Palmer's from. And, of course, Full Coffin, who's uh, both both great rugby players. That's from an unnamed texter. So if you've got uh, your little town Rob on Rob Waddell your... also. Rob Waddell on that list. Is he? From Pew Pew. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, rowing Alan McDonald. Where did he row, where did he row there? Where did, where did he row there? What's, what, in the quarry? <laughs> yeah. Out the back of the fat pigeon, maybe. <laughs> um, and, and also, yeah, Alan McDonald, world sharing champ. Less than 500 people live there. Check the water there. Have to check the water there as well, don't we, Kempe? Yeah. It, look, it's a it's a beautiful little town. Um, it's not too far from uh, Tikawiti and uh, of oh, 45 minutes to New Plymouth. So I guess, um, yeah, this, this, that, that's a rural town. That's not a city like Invercargill. No, not at all. And, and, and claiming athletes, not from Invercargill. What, what level will you stoop to? What about jokes by Joe? I, I, he'll be a Metro boy, won't he? He's a Westlake boys, and they got plenty yeah. of champions up there. I think they claim Luke McAllister as well. Yeah, yeah. He's probably never left Auckland, I'm, I'm assuming. <laughs> no, not really. Yeah. Louis took me outside of Auckland last year, and I didn't like it, so I'm just staying here. <laughs> <laughs> what didn't you like? I don't know, just like lack of Ubers. Uh, oh, the Wi-Fi sucks around here. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's it terrible Wi-Fi. I can't get a, I can't get a good latte either. I can't, get, and I can't get it delivered. <laughs> that, that's actually not true. There's great coffee uh, in rural areas I found, but that's pretty much it. Uh, but no, I know. I love. That's I love pretty much. No, it. no, I love New Zealand. It's great and stuff, but I'm comfortable in the city. Thanks. <laughs> And uh, Strady's got back to us and said there's also a statue of Peter Snell in Openaki too. There we go. There you go. South and one's better. <laughs> there is a South in it, but it's called South Taranaki. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Yep, keep uh, your suggestions coming through. Uh, our most successful, our sporting top town, which rural area in New Zealand, which, um, you know, small town has produced the best athletes, whether it's contemporary or from uh, years gone by. And feel free to claim anyone you want because it looks like that's the rules. You can, you just can claim them. You can just claim them. Can't yeah. you just? Uh, brilliant stuff. Uh, we've got plenty to come on the show. As uh, mentioned a little bit earlier, we'll talk some uh, NBA after 7 o'clock. Seth Part now, author of the Midrange Theory, to look at the opening few games of the NBA playoffs and maybe forecast to see if Kempe's beloved uh, Lakers might go deep uh, in the Western Conference. Uh, it seems to me... Uh, you know, Bucks, Celtic still probably favourites. There's been some injuries to some key players over the first couple of games. We'll break all of those things down. Uh, Warriors Uber fan and comedian Paul Douglas talks about the joy of being a Warriors fan in 2023 in comparison to previous years. Uh, that will also feature between 7 and uh, 8 o'clock. Uh, but at this very time, uh, it's time to head off to the news, is it not? Uh, if I'm not mistaken, here's Aroha with the news for Kubota. Together we are shaping and building New Zealand. <laughs> Thank you, Aroha. It is 28 minutes away from 7 o'clock as Ian Kempe for breakfast right here on SENZ. Let's welcome him back. Jokes by Joe. Time for the headlines. 
The Warriors have given Wade Egan another week off despite clearing the NRL's protocols to play against the Storm in Melbourne on Anzac Day. The hooker has failed two HI tests this, HIA tests this season, but Andrew Webster said they've decided to give him another week off in the interest of his welfare. Buffalo Bills safety Damar Hamlin has been cleared to return to play four months after suffering a cardiac arrest on the field during an NFL match. After approval from doctors, he has returned to the Bills' off-season training and could play again later this year. And we've got Premier League action on the TVs later this morning, boys. Starting at 7, Napoli hosting Milan down 1-0 on aggregate. And Real Madrid makes their return to London up 2-0, hoping to put the nail in the coffin and send Frank Lampard and Chelsea packing. There you go, uh, those are your sports headlines, thanks to Bunnings Trade. Trades and builders, power your business with Bunnings Trade Power Pass. I'm going to be a jerk. When did all those clubs move to England? No, no, no. Did did that not make sense? No, Premier League. No, no, Premier League. No, no, no. Premier League. No, no. It's Napoli. What part of England is Napoli? It's done it again. What part? What part of England is Munich and Champions? What part of? When did Bavaria move to England? I know they tried in the in the late thirties. I know. I know they gave it their best shot. You know, <laughs> you, they weren't quite able to get over the line. You know, Daniel, I actually like my football, but whenever the football guy, you know, you are the football guy here at SNZ, and it just makes me nervous, and I want to nail the headlines so badly, but somehow my brain stops working as I write them. Yeah. And, uh, well, I'm, I'm going to make the most of my one and only week that you guys will feel comfortable <laughs> working with me, because I'm just stabbing everyone in the back. It's no, just those jokes from Joe. I, I absolutely <laughs> love it, but uh, yeah, this will be your last week. It's been a pleasure having you. We will not talk about football ever again. <laughs> we might even yep. stop talking about cricket because I know you like that as well. We'll just focus on league and rugby from the rest of the year. Uh, th- this is a wonderful time to, um, you know, break some news here on SCNZ. I'm actually doing Monday as well. <laughs> yeah. Are you actually? <laughs> That's a good man. Oh, I, I actually asked <laughs> about that last night, Dan. So no, it's not awkward to, at all. That's good to not hear. Not awkward at all. No. And there is actually more football news, Dan. There's some some breaking news coming out of Wellington, which we're going to talk about later too, um, with them naming the head coach. You must be pretty ecstatic about that. Well, I'm happy in the sense that uh, it's not going to drag deep into the off-season, which can create uncertainty. I think they've got, um, and we're talking about Giancarlo um, Italiano being promoted from an assistant coach to head coach. He's replacing Ufuk Dele. Um, A two-year deal he has penned on for. They've got got some, you know, you know, quite a lot of building blocks, Kempi. Um, you know, you, you, you've done done it at the professional game, and you know recruitment is so important. It can be the winning or, lo- or losing of a season, and uh, he won't have to worry about that too much. He can get his boots on the ground and actually get into coaching. Five of the six import spots, which are so important, are locked in for next season. Most of those have gone really well this year. Uh, so it's about finding sort of the Australian and New Zealand talent to, to blend into that. He comes in at a pretty stable time of the football club, you know, within a whisker this year of making it back to the playoffs. That would be three times in four years. He's preached continuity. Um, one of the words he used in his press conference and, and on the, the run home here on SCNZ was cohesion, being mm. really important in his mind to, to breed success. Uh, so there's going to be a fair bit of that. It's a really interesting background. Uh, this guy uh, described himself, and this is one of my favourite um, lines of, uh, of the quote. Jason Pine put the question to him um, about a previous quote describing himself as a nobody. I'm a nobody. Um, and are you, being, are you ready to become a somebody? And he said, absolutely. And he provided some context to that why I'm a nobody. Was, he, he understands. He, he does not come from a professional playing background. 
and he sees that as an advantage um, if you do uh, come from that. Um, and he, he, he described how he just simply had to work harder to, to knock people over to, to, to prove his worth over the years, and now he's, he's got his opportunity. Yeah, and I, look, I think the point too when he said he's a nobody, um, it doesn't it doesn't always eventuate, does it? When you've got great players that have a crack at um, at that coaching gig and and can't kick it kick it kick a goal in it, and if you look at um, his background, like I said to you, I think that Ufuk Tale's had this kid behind him and gone, mate, it's your it's your time to step up. And um, and supported him, so we'll talk more about that then, because uh, yeah. I think I think that's a really good signing, because I don't think they're that far away. No, hey, the other big signing news yesterday: Clayton McMillan re-signing with the Chiefs. How good, mate! Every, every post been a winner in his coach. coaching career. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, look at the job he did with the Chiefs, and then Warren Gatlin came back, and it looked like there were a few wobbles there, and you know, unbeaten, he's extended his uh, gig through to twenty twenty six. You know, I, I, I'll, I'll announce some bias here. He coached my beloved Maris St. Pat's in Wellington, so I, I'm clearly a card-carrying member of the Clayton McMillan fan club. But, mate, that, that, that guy's international coaching calibre yeah. in the future. The Chiefs, Chiefs have got a good one, and for a long time now. Yeah, look, I, there's some real good reports coming back with the way that he handles uh, his setup down there. And it's, uh, I guess when you're going, you know, if you're a coach, you can't be going any better when you've got seven in a row and people are talking about extending your contract. You know, that's just mm-hmm. as it goes in the professional game. And to get him, I'd look, I like, I like the, I like the signing, a young coach, keeping him in, I guess that, that hot seat for a number of years. Cause you know, the, the other problem we got Dan is when we've got a good young rugby coach overseas comes knocking on your door. And uh, you know, if you don't stamp, stump up, all well, the offers that they get from over there just heavily outweigh what they're receiving here in New Zealand. So it's good to see that he's committed. You've got to look further into that one. Obviously, they may have him earmarked for post maybe razor days. Is it too early to be talking about that? No, it's not. I, I don't think. Uh, it's got to be anything. So much water goes under the bridge, though. So much can change. But um, it, I think any organisation with, <laughs> with any value... Um, always plans for every eventuality. Uh, now, don't they? Because I know a, a coach has a four-year deal. Might not work out. Um, but, you know, he's in the system. Audi All Blacks coach has done that for a number of years. Uh, you know, really successful player in his own right. So, you know, all the Bay of Plenty Steamers fans will be crowing out, mate. Champion. You know, over 100 games for us. So, um, you know, wish him um, all the success, just not when they play the Hurricanes. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. They beat the Hurricanes last weekend. <laughs> Uh, keep your messages rolling in at double eight double three. I can't wait. Question of the day, and we can't wait for your responses on this one. Uh, we wanted to know uh, which small town or rural New Zealand area has produced the best sporting talent from, whether it's today or years gone by, because we're going to uh, dig a little bit deeper into why rural areas in New Zealand produce so much talent with a man who's done a comprehensive study on it. Uh, we will uh, do that with uh, Bobby Newport who sounds like a 1950s American tennis player with a name like that, like Bobby Newport. Great name. <laughs> Love it, Bobby. Love it, Bobby. But right now, it's 21 minutes away from, it's 7 o'clock. It's that time of the day that you love and adore. You absolutely love and adore it. Um, do they not? Isn't it, Kempe? Is, is, is it? The Kempe quiz. The quizzy Kempe? dag. That's right. It's that time. And you've got to get on your phone. Like We had 100 bucks of TAB... Um, bets to give away yesterday and uh, today we're back to $50 bonus bets so why don't you dial in 0800 
150811. That's right. Geez, I had a little bit of a blank there. 0800 Give us a call and don't forget, Leroy, you've got to come in, mate, because we're not too far away from getting you paid, son. Hurry up. Um, get on that, buzz, that that blower now and dial in. The Quizzy Dag is up next. This is how you do it. Quizzy Dag can play it. This is how we do it. Quizzy Dag can play it. Quiz is on the line, just one at a time. Don't Google a lie, phone a friend, you'll be fine. Just listen for the signs, T.A.B. with the prize. 50 bucks if you're wise. If you're wrong and then we'll say goodbye. This is how we do it, this is how we do it. Quizzy that come play it, Quizzy that come play it. Oh, 800 150 811. Now give us a call. That's right, Quizzy Dag with, with Kempe this morning. And don't forget, you've got Dan McCarty there who can throw out some clues if you get, uh, I guess, stuck, a little bit desperate. And you need some help. Dan McCarty, he's your man. He'll uh, flip you into a couple of. Half decent clues like he did yesterday, but um, give us a call 0800 150811. Don't forget, if you're a new caller, and we've got plenty on the line at the moment, you'll go straight to the top and we will try to get you paid. Right now, we're going to go to Mark in Tauranga. Morning, Mark. Morning, boys. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. Hey, Great, thanks, Mark. We'll go to uh, question number one, Marky. Which player scored the most runs for the Black Caps in their T20 against Pakistan yesterday? Oh, shivers. The, uh, I know his name has just lost me there. Um, oh, I'm not young. No, I've lost it, boys. Sorry. No clue? Oh, dear. Uh, you probably. sure? He's out. Now, when I get yeah, older, no, losing my hair many years from now, you know, he got 64. <laughs> no? Well, if you're listening. Who are we going to mm. next, Neeps? Richie, we're going to Richie next. Morning, Richie. Morning, Kim Pete. Hey, mate. Daniel. Morning, Richie. Good luck to you. Which player scored the most runs for the Black Caps in their T20 against Pakistan yesterday, Richie? Uh, Tom Latham. 64. Bang. Basically just rattled that out there, Dan McCarty. <laughs> Gave him everything. But uh, Marky didn't want that. Uh, question number two. Jaron Jackson Jr. JJJ. Triple J has become the second youngest defensive player of the year in the NBA history. What a name. What an absolute name that is. What team does he play for? Oh, it must be a good team. That won't be the Lakers. <laughs> <laughs> um, must be a good team. won't be the Grizzlies. One of my favourite songs. Oh, he's, uh, he's, he got it. I was just about to give you a clue. No, no help needed. Bravo, you. Tennessee, and just Tennessee think... one of my favourite songs. What a magnificent song Tennessee is. Oh, it is. I'm just saying, I ain't on the buzzer, all right? So don't hold me yep. up. We're going, to get, we're going to give you that one, Richie. Because so, even though you said it wasn't, you, you threw that name out there. Question number three. Liverpool gave Leeds a 6-1 hiding yesterday. My poor Leeds team. Name one of the two players that scored two goals in the game. Uh, I even would have got this one. Oh, come on, mate. Um, Salah. Yeah, buddy, the Egyptian king, baby. (laughs) 
Just like that. Oh, well, you got a little bit of a roll here, Richie. Let's see if we can keep it going. Where do the Otago Nuggets sit on the NZ NBL ladder? Five. Four. Three. Two. Hutchie out. Hutchie out. No, mate, they're in the position no one wants to be. There's my hint. They're in the position no one wants to be. Yeah, it's a good clue. We're going to Lukey. Hey, Lukey, how are you, mate? Good morning. Well, good morning. How are you, boys? Yeah, not yeah, too bad, thing. not too bad. We've got a couple of questions to go to pick up this $50 bonus, TAB bonus bet. Where do the Otago Nuggets sit on the New Zealand NBL ladder? Sitting fourth. Bang, just like that. And here's the paid question. How many cyclists compete in a team sprint time trial on the velodrome? Four. Unlucky, unlucky. We're going to Brad for the money question. Brad, how many how many cyclists compete in a team sprint time trial on the velodrome? Is it three? Bang! There you go. Well done, Brad. It is three, and that's a that's a neat special. Whenever you hear cyclists competing, you know that uh, our Olympian who sits there behind the panels is writing out those questions there. That's uh, Quizzy Dag for another day, fifty dollar bonus bet. What do you got it on, Brad? Because you normally got a good tip uh, for us. What do you like? Well, haven't looked at the NBA power plays for today yet, but um, there's nothing that tickles my fancy. There'll probably be some Warriors on the hit, uh, point start. Oh, okay, okay. I've got to give I've got to give Sydney a look at that later on today. So I might have a look at that myself. But uh, well done, Brad. Um, if you do if you do pick one of those basketball beauties, those power plays that you normally get, send it through to us, and we'll let everyone know what you're looking at. Yeah, mate, we'll do. Hey, Brad. Question for you: What rural part of New Zealand produces the best best athletes? Who are you lobbying for today? So I uh, can't wait. Question oh. of the day, mate. I'm going to put you on the spot now. You you know you're all cashed up. More money, more problems. You know. What region? Well, I will not say Canterbury. Got to be Otago or Southland. Yeah. Oh, checks, checks notes. He's calling from Dunners. Good man, Brad. Good on you, mate. Congratulations, buddy. Spend that coin wisely. Go well. Cheers, fellas. Pleasure. You'd like to think you know where the Nuggets are on the ladder when he's from Dunners. Exactly. That would help. Uh, here's one from Jamie. Hey guys, Wanaka does pretty well in its snow sports program with Zoe, Nico, Adam, and then there's the multi sport here with Braden Curry. Uh, do Alan, Sononi Meyer. Sorry um, if I've mispronounced that. Wouldn't be the first time I've, I've made a mistake on that front. Uh, he also adds, I've uh, forgot some because I've just woken up. <laughs> Thanks, Jamie from Wanaka. Good on you for, you know, blurry-eyed, picking up the phone and entering the spirit of the can't-wait question of the day. We want to know the New Zealand sporting region that has uh, the best uh, track record of uh, producing uh, sporting talent, especially in small cities and rural areas. Back after this break, eight away from seven. Yes, well, we're three minutes away from seven o'clock and uh, you can call us anytime on the Kennards High phone line, 0800 150 Find a thoroughbred race day at events dot loveracing.nz and yes well today buyers will have the opportunity to continue the legacy of iconic breeder Sir Patrick Hogan with an unreserved dispersal of the Cambridge Stud Founders stock on Gavel House Plus. 
Yep, that's right. Weanings, yearling, uh, yearlings and racing propositions and broodmares comprise a 31-strong catalogue that will launch at the conclusion of the NZB National Online Yearling Sale, which closes from 6pm uh, tonight. So why don't you just go to the NZB uh, New Zealand Bloodstock um, uh, page and have a look at that. Uh, yes, the iconic um, breeding of uh, Sir Patrick Hogan. You get a chance to buy some of those if, you, if you're interested to go and have a look at it. And of course, we've got racing at Matter Matter today. And there are a couple that I don't mind, actually, after going through the fields. I think um, there's a little multi here, Dan, if you want to uh, yeah. get, get a gold coin and chuck it on. Um, I've got a horse that I don't mind in... What's this race here? It's race five, number one. All right, we're going to go to Hazar, last start. I went back and had a look at its form. It's, it was a tragedy beaten. It got run up the back of a couple of horses, pulled it out, uh, just couldn't get home uh, in the end, uh, ran for second. I think today Ryan Elliott gets it up and it, uh, it should win that race. And then again, he's on another one for Stephen Marsh in race seven called Lorado. It's paying three bucks, so you've got a decent little seven dollar, eight dollar multi there if you want to have a, have a crack at it. That's number one, race seven, and number one, race five, both being ridden by Ryan Elliott. I think he picks up a couple of win, winners today down there at Matamata. That's our love racing update for you today. Grab your mates and get on course. Visit events.loveracing.nz to find a race day near you. Almost four minutes after 7am, Izzy and Kimby for breakfast. Daniel McCarty filling in for Izzy for the week and into next week. Monday, I think I will officially be asked to leave by jokes by Joe anyway. Uh, don't forget Kimpy's here and will be holding my hand figuratively um, throughout the remainder of the week and into next week here. We've got lots to get through. We'll follow what's happening in the Champions League. Uh, Milan leading Napoli 1-0 after the first league. The second league games have just kicked off. Two and a half minutes have been played in both. No change to those scores. So the uh, the second game, of course, is uh, Chelsea and Real Madrid with uh, Real Madrid comfortably up two goals to nil. But right now we talk uh, more international sport. We head to the United States of America. Uh, the NBA playoffs have tipped off. Awesome time of the year. Always a massive following here in New Zealand throughout the NBA season that only gets heightened at this time of the year. And we are delighted to welcome into the program a fine basketballing mind, author of the Midrange Theory, joining us from uh, the magnificent Milwaukee. Um, it's Seth Partner who joins the program again. Welcome back to SCNZ, Seth. Thanks so much for dropping by. Oh, thanks for having me. It's been a while. It has, it has. I want to start off with Milwaukee, where you are, quite important uh, basketballing city. Um, <laughs> uh, right now, the number one seeds in the East, of course, the Bucks up against the, the Heat, but they suffered a loss in game number one now, did they not? And also suffered a worrying blow to the Greek freak, Mr. Antetokounmpo, one of the best players, if not the very best going around. What's his status? Uh, from what I'm hearing, uh, it's it, he might be a little limited in game two, but largely fine it seems i think the the bigger injury news coming out of game one was tyler hero breaking his shooting hand which basically rules him out for if not the rest of the playoffs the, the heat would have to go very far and even though Giannis is a better player than tyler hero um i think you can make an argument that that hero will be almost a bigger miss for miami just considering how little margin for error they have on the offensive end 
Hey, Seth, and what about uh, the Warriors? Are they, how much trouble are they in um, with the Sacramento stomping happening too? Is Draymond Green like being ejected? Does he does he miss any other games? I would be slightly surprised if he got suspended. I wouldn't be shocked, but I, I think I would be. Um, I, I think it'll it'll you know a instant reaction getting kicked out for the remainder of a close game. My guess is that'll be seen as a sufficient punishment. But if he got a game, I wouldn't be shocked. Um, and if he is suspended for a game, I think the Warriors are in a great deal of trouble. Um, as it is, uh, the home team winning the first two games is it, it, it happens, and it, it, I don't think in any way it uh, eliminates the chances of the Warriors uh, winning that series. Joe, I've been having flashbacks to about seventeen years ago. Uh, you know, last time Sacramento was relevant, um, and now they find themselves uh, up up to games to nil. Um, do you consider them favourites, even though you've just said it's kind of gone to you know as predicted with the home team winning there? What chance are you giving that the the 2013 Warriors actually stealing the series? Um, I I um so if if you if you if you pay attention to betting markets, uh, the the even after game one, the Warriors were still uh, pretty decent favorites to to win the series, and it's just now after game two that the the Kings have have become favorites, but it's still pretty close. Um, I think that I I think let's, let's put it this way: if it comes back to Sacramento. Uh, tied at two, I think the Warriors would be very strong favorites to to win the series. It's just a matter of them uh, taking care of business at home, where they've been pretty excellent this season. And what about the Knicks fans? Um, Seth, they have genuine total total hopes, or would they just be grateful to get out of the first round to beat the Cavs? I I think that the Knicks would it would uh, presuming uh, presuming that uh, that that Milwaukee does end up beating Miami, which I think is still think is 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 most likely. I think the Knicks are a little bit overmatched in in that in that matchup. I think that that I don't think they uh, actually match up especially well uh, with Milwaukee. I think that they 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 would maybe prefer to play uh, one of the other two teams if they had a choice in in their second round opponent. Oh, Kempi, I love you. I just got back on my chair after falling off with the thought of the Knicks actually winning the NBA. That's just magnificent. That is magnificent. But the East is the, the East is the East is the best, Seth. Let's drill a little bit deeper, maybe more broadly. Uh, you know, try and pick a path. Um, it, it seems to most um, experts out out there that I hear that the, the Bucks um, and the Celtics aren't just you know favourites to progress to the Eastern Conference Finals, but to win it all. Would you, would you buy into that narrative? I think so. I mean, I think that that uh, either of those teams would be decent favorites over any team that came out of the West, uh, presuming they they make it through the the Eastern Conference playoffs uh, at full health. Um, I think Boston is is going to make fairly easy work of the Hawks. Um, uh, you know, the the Bucks, as is their tendency, actually kind of made things a little harder on themselves by not playing particularly well in Game One of a series. That's been a an interesting sort of. Uh, trend in in the Mike Budenholzer era is is um the tendency of the Bucks to to just play quite badly in game ones of series uh despite you know uh, going on to to you know have success ultimate success uh, even when they do drop that first game hey Seth well my team I know that uh, Dan's picked himself up off the floor but my team the LA Lakers <laughs> are looking good after game one are they are they a dead set chance do you think oh man um, I've been I've been a Laker. I've been I've been a Laker. I've been a Lakers skeptic all year. Um, I think they've certainly caught some breaks. Um, 
both in this matchup in general, given uh, the depleted front court that the Grizzlies have, and now uh, the injury to, to John Morant. Um, I don't, I don't have a great sense of, of you know, whether he will or will not play in Game Two. Um, I think that uh, the real story of of what is uh, driving the Lakers forward, and I don't want to feed into the hype, but Austin Reeves was absolutely spectacular in Game One. I mean, how many times have you seen a LeBron James team in the playoffs? And he's almost a spectator down the stretch. I mean, the ball was in Austin Reeves' hand, and he was making every play down the, the stretch of that game. Which is uh, not even when when LeBron was playing next to, to to Kyrie Irving. Maybe he was taking turns with Dwayne Wade. Um, it was the last time that that you know the 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 the, the crunch time uh, creation duties fell to another player on a LeBron team. So that's I'm um, just tremendously impressed by that performance. Uh, although you're probably tremendously unimpressed by his catch cry during that game. Um, I am him? But what on earth is that? You know, roaring to himself, <laughs> I'm him. I'm old enough to not I'm old enough to not try to understand what the kids these days are saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, 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 as a as a penman yourself, as a wordsmith, I, I'm him. Terrible, terrible sentence. He needs to work on that, doesn't he? Just. But if Char Morant comes back game three and plays the rest of the series, Grizzlies, is that where you're leaning? Is it all dependent on Char Morant coming back? I mean, it's John Morant, but I again, I think that uh, I think the Grizzlies um, might be a guy or two short. I think they really miss Stephen Adams a little bit, just in terms of an interior matchup. I think they really miss Brandon Clark. Um, I think the Lakers do not want to play fast, and um, of the the available big men for the Grizzlies, uh, none of them particular is particularly uh, uh, up and down the floor. Xavier Tillman is is kind of a plotter. Uh, Santi Aldama is 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 not rapid. Even Jaron Jackson is more of a half court player, but uh, the 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 speed and athleticism that that Clark could bring to the game, I think, would be a, a nice. Uh, a bonus for 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 the Grizzlies and him not being available, I think, very much hurts in this matchup. Hey, Seth, so looking at your crystal ball, and uh, we'll, we'll have a look at what it, what plays out over the coming days. Who do you who do you see going through, and who's the team that you think is the is the one to that loses um, the title? Uh, I mean, I think the 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 thing that I'm most looking forward to is the remainder of the of the the Clippers Sun series. I don't. Uh, it was a it was a tr- pretty good Ka- Kawhi Leonard performance down the stretch to win Game One. I don't have a I, nothing could surprise me in terms of that series. Um, in terms of of what I expect, again, assuming health, I've been saying that I think it's Bucks over Nuggets in the finals uh, all year, and I'm I'm kind of continuing to stick with that. Um, I think the Nuggets uh, have a have a fairly straightforward first round matchup, which will help them. Uh, obviously, a, a tough second round opponent, either the Clippers or the Suns. But um, I think there's going to be four kind of tough teams in the second round there, and I still think the Nuggets, with home court advantage and probably the ble- best player on the floor in most matchups in, in Nikola Jokic, I still give them the edge. Yeah, we haven't really mentioned the Nuggets, have we? And they've got the two-time reigning MVP. Uh, he's a pretty decent player. The, the game has evolved so much over the last sort of 10, 15 years, you know, uh, whether it's sabermetrics getting in and and the style of the game has changed. But we often see the regular season seems to be one sort of form of the sport and then there are, 
you know, diverting sort of uh, strategies used by the teams come the playoff time. So what, what do you think are going to be, um, you know, the big storylines on the tactical side uh, throughout this playoff series? I think it, it's as it always is. Um, you know, the regular season is, is almost more about your strengths and the playoffs, especially against kind of the, the better players and better coaches, uh, turns almost into more about your weaknesses. Um, teams have enough time and enough focus to really pick at uh, you know w- what your team doesn't have. I think I think we saw that a little bit in Game One of the Knicks series, where the fact that the the, the small forward position, which we we've seen has been a, a kind of a weakness of the Cavs all season, um, became kind of glaring. Whereas the Knicks are able to put, you know, uh, competent, coherent five man lineups, a number of different five man lineups on the court. And I think that's a uh, that is a fairly substantial edge for New York in that series. Oh, sorry. Sorry, I didn't turn my mic on. You'd think after 20 (laughs) years of doing this, I would have actually turned my microphone on. Uh, Now I've completely lost my train of thought. Um, What... What what outsider, and what I mean by that, say, seed five through eight offer the biggest threat here. And, and I'm thinking about our, our listeners who like a bit of a smoky on the, on the markets out there. What of the outsiders, as far as their, their position on, on the standings heading into the playoffs, do you, do you think could have a sustained long run? The funny thing is, is the teams like the, 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 road, the, the game one and two road teams that, that uh, you might suggest are all sort of, we're all sort of trendy picks anyway, and we're talking about the Warriors. We're talking about the uh, uh, the Suns. We're talking about the uh, excuse me, the Clippers. We're talking about um, um, uh, the Lakers. Um, I, I kind of think of those teams. Uh, the the Suns got a lot of hype because of the addition of Kevin Durant. Um, I think we we saw in Game One of that series that Kawhi Leonard is. Um, you know, I was I was with the Bucks in 2019 when he basically destroyed us over the last four games of that series, and uh, there was a lot of familiarity in what I what I saw with the, his shot making and just sort of general control of that game down the stretch. Um, so I would I would say that uh, uh, it's strange for a team in LA to say that they haven't gotten enough hype, but uh, the Clippers are kind of a team that is that is menacing. I think I would say menacing. A Clippers team that's menacing. You know, a side that's been, you know, the joke of the NBA for generations now menacing. I look forward to seeing uh, how they progress and everyone. Uh, Seth, thanks so much for dropping by. It's awesome to chat to you and, and get a real inside perspective of, uh, you know, a wonderful competition that the NBA is, and this is a great time of year. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Hopefully I can uh, drop back by later in the playoffs. Yeah, that would be nice. That would be nice. Uh, how you feeling, Kempe? How you feeling, Kempe, about your Lakers now, having listened to Seth? Well, I actually watched the um, LeBron take that back seat and just go down the court and, and become the director. You know what I mean? Like, so now he, instead of being the, the drummer and the trombone player and the bloke who runs out the saxophone, he's sitting there with a little <laughs> with a little wand in his hand, just directing traffic and making sure that they're on on song. I reckon, I reckon there are a chance of stealing it. Seriously. I reckon there are a chance of stealing it. I know Seth's got the bucks and the nuggets, Um we thought maybe the Bucks and the Celtics, but mate, LA, the stars come out to play. You know what I mean? The crowd starts yeah. to play uh, up. And this this is a compliment. I don't trust 
playoff LeBron if he's up against your team. <laughs> you just, I just don't trust him. I, and that's a compliment. You know, he's on your side. I, I'm taking the, the, the opposition sort of view. I mean, you, just, you just don't trust LeBron, right? And, and what, what, what if he is doing that, Dan? What if he is just managing himself through for one big last dance? You know, he is just handing off knowing that, well, we can, we can take care of these teams. We, you know, I'll let you guys take all the accolades and I've got one last big one left in these legs. I'm just going to wait till I get to it. Wouldn't shock you, would it? Oh, 100%, 100% he, he's thinking that. It would, yeah, it wouldn't shock you if he was able to pull it off. One of the very best to ever do it, if not the best. Uh, in his 20th NBA season, whatever it is. He's like, a freak. Come on, man. Like, seriously, come on. Yeah. 20 years, still going strong. And what, going to continue to play in the league until his son joins? Yeah. Well, he probably uh, owned that team. Torch. <laughs> You're probably right. <laughs> uh, 18 minutes after 7 o'clock. Great to have uh, Seth Bart now uh, join us to talk at the NBA. Uh, later this hour, well, um, very shortly, uh, Kimby's coming off the back fence, but we will also uh, talk the NRL and fandom in particular. The Warriors fans must be loving 2023, and we're going to catch up with uh, an Uber Warriors fan and comedian. Paul Douglas joins us before 8 o'clock. While we will dig a little bit deeper into our can't wait question of the day, which was, which small New Zealand town or rural area produces the best sporting talent. Well, a man who's done a study on this uh, subject is going to join the show after 8 o'clock uh, as we um, dig a little bit deeper as to why uh, rural communities uh, help produce such wonderful athletes in New Zealand in particular. And we're going to be joined by Bobby Newport on that front. So keep your um, suggestions coming through on the Temper Bedpost text machine on double eight double three. Mark writes in, uh, Dame Knowles, Topol. See, that's like a mic drop. It's like Dame Knowles. You know, you've got a coach and a player, uh, sorry, a coach and a player wrapped in one. I can, I can see why your list is quite short there, Mark, but it's a pretty compelling one. Uh, getting some love for the Kapiti Coast, not far from where I am, uh, Kempe. Uh, Stephen writes, Kapiti Coast, borderline rural, but Dane Coles, Christian Cullen, Steve Kearney. Steve um, Williams. Steve Williams, uh, plus... And then the message stops, so I don't know if they're, they're teasing us for a, for a part two later in the day, but uh, there's some support also um, from uh, Chris, same uh, part of the country, right in the Kapiti Coast region, also uh, rattling off uh, Dane Coles, Christian Cullen, Steve Kearney. Um, so the Supporters Club of the Kapiti Coast have obviously had their morning meeting and coffee and have decided to uh, bombard us. <laughs> that, uh, they are rural. Excellent. that they are rural. Yeah. That they are rural. And Brad's come back too, <laughs> just quickly here, Dan. With um, He comes in with some nice tips every now and then with some baskets. He's Murray and Westwood to record five-plus points, five-plus rebounds, five-plus assists each at 375. That's not bad. Smart, Gordon Brunson and Garland all make two-plus threes at six bucks. And we know Brad, when he's on the basketball, he's on the money. So um, if you're having a look, just uh, gamble responsibly, R18. Indeed, indeed. We will take a break. It's 21 minutes after 7 o'clock. Keep uh, your calls coming through on the Kennards uh, Higher Phone Line. Do appreciate your thoughts and suggestions on the topics we have raised or something you want to raise. But uh, best we go to an ad uh, break and be back rather shortly with Kempe, who's, uh, you know, putting on the boots, sharpening the studs. He's coming off the back fence. Off the back fence with Tony Kemp. Yeah, talking with Ian Jones, Carmo yesterday, about his journey as an advocate for Mike King's I Am Hope mental health campaign. It got me thinking about the huge changes in awareness of this space over recent years. While Carmo travels the length of the Mutu raising awareness for I Am Hope, his insights on the road resonated with me. 
as he shared his story along with those he has helped. One of the main messages I took from our corridor was the importance of hope. To me, that translates very closely to aspiration. Aspiration, you could say, hope is so important for our kids today and also for their kids tomorrow. So what is aspiration? In my early years, we would have called that simply having a dream. But practically for a young person, what does that mean? I wasn't the most interested in academia at high school, so perhaps it's not a surprise that I like to think of the dream or aspiration in pictures. I've always had vision boards full of pictures of what my aspirational life could look like, image of, images of where I might live, places I could visit, and whānau enjoying it all with me, all the things I hope for. A picture placed in the correct setting is that dream that we can all aspire to. It's really that simple. Remember those we- weekly rugby league posters arriving. As a kid, long before manifestation boards became a thing, I had them plastered all over my wall. These were my dreams and my aspirations. So here's my question to you. What are those pictures on your vision board? And more importantly, how do we get our young people to dream, believe and achieve? Off the back fence with Tony Kemp. Nice, Kempy. Nice, I like that. Got me pondering, thinking. Hopefully, um, you must have had people one. do think big. You must have had a picture. You must still have one on the fridge. You know what? I probably didn't do that enough. I probably didn't do it enough. Um, it, it was generally in my own mind, me running around sporting fields around the globe. But, you know, when my athletic ability revealed itself at age seven, <laughs> um, that, that's where it stayed, in the backyard. Uh, and it stays to this day, out kicking, kicking a ball with my, my boy, who's only four, for the, really for the first time. It was actually a big day as a parent yesterday, I have to say. Kempe? My son showed an interest in sport for the very first time. Oh, that's that's wanted to go outside. That's okay. He wanted to go outside and play. Uh, yeah, I got a little bit choked up, a little bit emotional. Then I started tripping him after three or four minutes. You know, <laughs> no mercy. Teach him, no mercy. Teach him, teach him. Yeah, teach him. The south, the south. I'll do it, mate. People will get want to get a leg over. But I don't want to hijack what you'll say, mate. That's um, you know, really nice words. I can appreciate that. It is uh, twenty nine minutes after seven o'clock. I uh, keep your suggestions coming through for our um, our top sporting town. It's our can't wait question of the day. Uh, plenty of feedback on Twitter um, as well, uh, including from some guy, some guy called Aaron Smith. Um, who I'm pretty sure is an all-back halfback. Aaron, if you are listening, um, deepest condolences to you and your family, considering uh, what you've um, you know gone through in the last couple of days. Mm. Um, having been there myself, that 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 sucks, mate. That's as articulate as I can get in these circumstances. But I really do appreciate you offering your nomination for Fielding. Yes, I before E, except after C, and in Fielding. Uh, fielding. It was, fielding is remarkable, Kempe, for producing rugby players. You know. Mm. Um, Aaron Smith's our sport, whether it's Sarah Hidden, the the White Lock Mafia. Um, I'm pretty sure Cody Taylor's from from that part of the region. Fielding stacked, and that's just rugby alone. So we want to know uh, the the best small town or rural community at producing New Zealand sporting athletes. We're going to dig a little bit deeper on why um, rural athletes get a bit of a leg up. Um, a study has been uh, done on this. We'll uh, have a chat after eight on that subject. We've got to get to Auntie right now. Uh, Aroha. Can't wait to see her in a couple of weeks. She's going to be down here in the Riviera of the South Pacific, Kempe. But right now, here is Aroha with the news for Kubota. Together, we are shaping and building New Zealand.
28 minutes away from 8 o'clock. Thank you very much, uh, Aroha. He's standing by. He's not nervous at all. He is peerless at this. He's impenetrable. He is perfection personified. I'm running out of peas. Here's joke by, Jokes by Joe with the headlines. Yes, lots of Premier League. I mean, Champions League action today. Uh, Napoli is playing Milan. Just drawing nil all. 30 minutes uh, past. So Chelsea, Real Madrid, nil all. So, yeah, good stuff there. Okay, Manchester City. They do play in the Premier League. <laughs> good stuff there. No goals. Good stuff. No goals. Manchester City. They they do play in the Premier League. And uh, they've do submitted... They? Yes, they do. And, <laughs> no. and they've submitted a planning application for a $600 million expansion of their stadium. The Premier League club wants to increase the current capacity of 53,500 to 60,000 by expanding the North Stadium. The NHL NHL playoffs had an exciting opening day with two games going into extra time. Today's games include the Toronto Maple Leafs playing the Tampa Bay Lightning. And I believe, Daniel, you're a big Maple Leafs fan, is that right? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge Maple Leafs fan. have been uh, since I went to see family in Canada in 1990. Uh, fell in love with uh, the Maple Leafs. Uh, the Maple Leafs have just basically spent the next 33 years letting me down. Although um, <laughs> I, 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 I found peace... About three or four years ago, when I decided, Kempe, they're never going to win again. They're never going to win again. You know, it was, it was getting to the playoffs. They were struggling to do that. They've got to the playoffs the last number of years and get locked out in the first round. But I, I'm just a far happier person, knowing full well that the Maple Leafs will never win again. I, 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 I'm comfortable with that. I'm it's, just comfortable. Yeah. That's obviously how the Warriors fans have been feeling, too, for the past 10 years. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But this year might be our year. Well, I'll be pulling for them, Daniel. Let's go. See, I, yeah. uh, I've, I, I'm not stupid enough to say that the, the Maple Leafs are going to win this year, though, mate. See, I, I've just let it go. It's I've our year, Dan. It's our year. It's not, it's not my – it's going to be our year when the, it goes down to 0.0, and then I'm going to turn up in all my Maple Leafs regalia and absolutely ignore the crap out of you for probably the next 50 years um, as true Maple Leafs fans. Sorry, Joe, you are about to say. Oh, well, yes, uh, those are headlines thanks to Kenard's hired Tuesday weekend. But I was also going to say, I've, I, I'm really going to be pulling for them because I want to bury the hatchet between me and you, Daniel. And uh, you've, I want to play a clip you, sh- you shared to me. You emailed me to me earlier after Seth Partnell was talking about ridiculous celebration. Uh, this is Pete Webber uh, from yeah, the, the, the Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's a 10-pin bowler. We're talking about Austin Reeves, his name is, who you know had a money game and was screaming out and was caught, uh, caught up on the sideline, Mike Kempe, saying, I am him. I am him. <laughs> I really don't know what that means. And I was like, that, that guy's got nothing on this old this old bug. I absolutely love Pete Webb. So I'm not sure what year this is from, but this is a number of years ago. This is 10 pin bowling, Kempe. How good is this? Strike to claim it. A strike to claim it. Who do you think you are? I am. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's uh, that's that's ten years old, <laughs> at least, at least. <laughs> ten um, and bowling. Yeah. Who do you think I am? Who do you think you are? I am. <laughs> I'm sure he was. I'm sure he must have been the the inspiration for that ten and bowling movie with Bill Murray. <laughs> <laughs>
I, I'm sure. I'm sure. That's that's one of my absolute favourite sporting celebrations. <laughs> did you have a celebration, Kimby? Did, did you? No, you know, nothing, nothing, like, nothing like that. Yeah. Um, I came up with the years where you, you get a slap if, if you celebrate too much. <laughs> <laughs> you never, you never do something like that in front of Kurt Sorensen, would you? <laughs> oh hell no! My God, the thought of that. No, KT. Anyone, any one of those boys would give you a little bit of a slap down. But um, those days of the the Robin Hood bow and arrow celebrations and the ten pin bowling falling overs, um, mate. I just think it's all part of. Boys getting older and yeah, and young kids taking over. <laughs> yeah, Pete Pete Webster is his name, and, and uh, Pete Webber though. Pete Webber. Uh, Pete Webber is about sixty now, uh, so this would have he would have been late forties. He'd been he waiting all this. his life. He'd been waiting all his life for that one line. <laughs> normally, normally that line is who do you think you are? Yeah, I normally am. that line is don't you know who I am? He's yeah, exactly. he's, he's, he's just got changed a, it. He got it horribly he's just wrong. Changed it. He's, Hey, hey, Dan, I just wanted to talk about pitches. One little one, because uh, I had a flashback. I I remember walking down in Wellington. This actually happened in Wellington, and I had a picture of a car on my fridge. You know, I bought my first car. It was 50 bucks, you know, so because I didn't really have two two cents to rub together. But Did I, you buy that off Henry Ford? No. Nah, <laughs> well, it was actually a Holden, and, and it had a snap had a snap collin change. I, I got my mum's washing machine um, lever and, and drilled it into the bottom of the floor into the linkages and got it running again, you know. It cost me 50 bucks for really? that thing. That thing would be worth a fortune today. But anyway, I had a picture of a car on my, um, on my fridge. I was walking around down Wellington, and, mate, I had this dream to own a Russian taxi, the old Fiat Lada. Remember those? <laughs> you wanted to own a Lada? Mate, and I never forget. Said no one... I never Ever, f- except for Tony Kemp. I'll never forget walking around Lower Hutt in one of the corners down there. There was this Fiat Lada. It was mint red, beautiful sort of little mag wheels on it. And I was thinking, there's my dream car. There's my dream. I was 17. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. You should... You should have set your dreams a little bit higher, oh, mate, I, I have done since. Been, yeah. I have done yeah, since. Exactly. I should just go out and buy one. But if I had to go out and buy one now, I'd probably be in a, what do you call them, a demolition derby. Is that the only, yeah, only place you get them for? Yeah. Uh, make sure you let us know on the Temper Bed Post text machine the pictures on your board. Uh, Brad is shooting his shot, you might say here, Kempe. Picture <laughs> on my board, get a job at SENZ. Doing that well, Brad. I'll tell you what, you keep picking winners, you get one at the TAB. Yeah, exactly. Uh, thank you, Brad. Uh, thank you to all our messages. Uh, we're getting some banking up as far as uh, the best sporting town in New Zealand, small town that is. We'll get to that a little bit later, but we uh, best go to a break because uh, we're going to welcome in a very, no doubt, uh, bursting at the seams almost, Warriors fan, <laughs> Kempe, after, you know, the, the down years, 2023, uh, a little bit different. We're going to be uh, welcoming in an Uber fan, uh, huge fan of the Warriors, and comedian Paul Douglas joins the show shortly. Quarter to eight is the time. Izzy and Kimby for breakfast on SENZ. Updating the Champions League. Big moment. Olivia Giroud has just scored for Milan to take a 2-0 aggregate lead over Napoli. This game being played in Napoli in the all-Italian uh, affair. So uh, first strike of the day to Milan. They lead 1-0 on the day and 2-0 on aggregate. Still 2-0 on aggregate to Real Madrid uh, against Chelsea. No score in the second league clash approaching halftime in both those fixtures. This is SENZ. It is time to go to the Kennard's Hire phone line. 
Kempi, who we got today, mate? We've got a special guest. Yeah, well, we thought we'd do something a little bit different on a Wednesday after me and Ricardo caught up with the Joker, one of the biggest fans at the Warriors game against the Cowboys on the weekend. The Warriors, they're back to their winning ways. And we spoke to Andrew Webster on Monday. He was in awe of the support the team's been getting at Mount Smart. So why not have a catch up with a fan that likes a bit of a laugh? And we're joined by comedian Paul Douglas this morning, ahead of next month's New Zealand Comedy Festival, which is back for another year. Morning, Paul. How are you this morning? Yeah, I'm good, mate. How are you guys? Mate, we're, we're fantastic. Uh, you got myself and Daniel McCarty here. <laughs> Just wanting to talk a little bit about the train, mate, the Warriors train. You obviously jumped on it before it, f- it was full. You must be liking what they're yeah, doing. I've been, on a, oh, I've been on it for a little while, eh? But I'd be lying if I said I hadn't, um, you know, fallen off or jumping off at a couple <laughs> of stations throughout the years. Um, but, oh, my God, it's been incredible. I was, uh, yeah, I, I, like, there's really... Um, Nothing else to say. I think it's, you know, it's the running joke of our year every year. And I think it's just funny that we, we dig our feet in um, so much on it. And then now that it's actually sort of uh, happening for, you know, what, the first time since um, your mid-2010s or so, like, oh, my God, it's, it's wicked. And, um, yeah, I'm loving every minute of it. Well, Paul, all those years where it wasn't going so well and you're dropping in and out, sounds like you're in a dysfunctional relationship. Sounds like you keep going back, uh, you know, back to that relationship you probably should not be with. Did, did you ever consider divorce? No, oh, <laughs> nah, never, never considered divorce. No, nah, never, never at all. I'm a, I'm a Chiefs fan as well, so I mean, we had, you know, you know, how many hell years there were there before we actually had any um, hardware to. Um, put on the shelf, but no, nah, I honestly, I um, I usually, I, I found it pretty hard to watch through uh, the COVID years. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. It yeah. was just, um, it was just devastating that it wasn't at the, at the home turf. So this season, uh, well, I was lucky enough to go to the home opener when that was on, um, when they came back, and I mean that was that was incredible. I think the only thing I didn't like about that is all the streakers wore clothes, um, <laughs> you know. <they're, they're, laughs> They're soft now. There's no one's no one's getting no one's getting it out, you know. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, there should then, be a double uh, fine. There should be a double fine if you streak. But that's the first one, and then if you if you don't do it properly, it should be another five k on top of it. Oh yeah, easily just a cool ten a eh, for um for for not giving at least not giving the ladies a show, you know. Like there's some of them are there not even uh, watching the game, so at least uh, give them something. Um, a Sinbin yeah, or a Sinbin or a send off, one or the other. Oh, exactly. And uh, yeah, and look, I was I was lucky enough to um, be at the Bulldogs game uh, at the end of March. Then and then um, and then again, I was I was at the Cowboys game just on the weekend. Gone and oh, like there, there really is a you know look. Let's not let's not um, let's not rag on the Blues too much. But look, there's an there's an atmosphere uh, difference out there. Okay. Yeah, and what's that, and what's that like, Paul? You know, like, do you get much content for your um your sh- your comedy show from like just sitting in the in the grandstands watching the fans and actually how tribal they are at a Warriors game? Oh, look, I honestly reckon that there's an atmosphere at a Warriors game. And let's just say hypothetically, a, a gang of uh, people from the other team came along. You know, like a gang of Cowboys fans. Um, I think that the Warriors fans would unite like something you've never seen before. You know, like move, move over New Zealand Defence Force. Uh, <laughs> this is this is um, <laughs> this is this is a serious uh, group of fans. And like, also, um, I think it's just the amount of apparel you see there. Like, I, I I don't really think you see that at a New Zealand game. Like, even an All Blacks game, you know, like there's obviously a lot of jerseys out there, but often people will just chuck on a black jacket, you know, but. Shit, you turn up to a Warriors game, all part of my language, and you, uh, 
you know, it's just it's just non-stop. It's just there's jackets, there's jerseys. You see, it's like basically a um, like a museum of uh, Warriors jerseys. You know, it's bloody awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I know, you know, rugby heads, we go, oh, he's just a league, he's bagging out of sport. I'll defend you here. I co- I've commentate, I commentated Super Rugby for about a decade, so I, I know one or two things. Yeah. Um, rugby, rugby fans are very passionate, and I say this incredibly passionate, from the end of the game all week until the game kicks off, and then they do bloody nothing. And, and yeah. at, 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 at Sky Stadium, half the crowd for Wellington Phoenix game provide twice the atmosphere. So that's why I love Phoenix fans. That's Incredible. why I love Warriors fans, because they actually get in behind their team, don't they? And, and there's, yeah, there's a, you know, it helps teams. It, it's obvious. There's science behind this. If you support your team, you can get them over the line. Oh, it gets you amped up. And, I mean, you, you listen to, um, you know, when the Sharks come back, uh, you could hear the Warriors fans there, and they just got louder and louder because, you know, we, we, we hung in there right till the end, and <laughs> watching that game, we had about eight diehards here in my lounge, and, um, yeah, it was hectic. It was hectic. It felt like, a, you know, winning a World Cup or, or even a bloody um, knockout round. So, uh, oh, it was just, yeah, yeah, unbelievable. I, um, I was also going to mention I, I had the, uh, I think I might have been the last comedian to perform in the... Um, Mad Butcher's Lounge before that got uh, renovated. Um, and so that's actually some material I'm working at the moment and somehow <laughs> trying to tell that. <laughs> well, tell me about it. I, it it's, honestly, it was like a fever dream going in that room. <laughs> Mate, I tell, I've been through that Butcher's Lounge a few times. Have you got an invite up there? As a comedian, when you've got the butcher talking before you, it's a hard act to follow. Mate, just before we let you go, Paul, you know, the, you've got the, the Joker, obviously, down there. You've got the shoey happening every time it goes through a shot up to Webby's box. Have you thought about putting a chant together <laughs> yourself? And if oh, you did, what would it be? Oh, my word. Oh, chance! I don't know. You know, I just I don't think you can beat a, just a good old fashioned up the waz and then just back that up with a chahu. You know, so as long as you got another mate there, um, and and then it really just boils down to timing. And look, admittedly, white guys don't have particularly good timing, so <laughs> I uh, I usually like to I usually like to sit back like a um like a bit of a sniper with my up the waz, and then I'll just kick it up the waz, and then. <laughs> You know, just try kill him with that. But um, yeah, I, I think I might leave the chance to the people um, with a bit more rhythm than me, to be honest. Mate, timing. What do you oh. got coming up? Uh, so full noise on the comedy festival. I've got my uh, show will be in week three, so that's from the twenty third of May till the twenty uh, seventh of May at Q Theatre, and the show's called the thirst for the worst and uh look the thirst for the worst that that basically is just um getting in there and, and making the most of not being perfect and look i think the warriors are, are proving exactly that they might not be perfect but um mate they're digging in and uh i think they're giving the fans everything they've got and i reckon we've got a real shot at it yeah i can't wait to see you your warriors lose to my broncos in the grand final bring it on paul <laughs> thanks so much brother. Bring it Go, on, have boys. a great day cheers matey up the wire up the wire, seven away from eight. Zen Kibbe for breakfast, but with Daniel, thanks to Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrance. Uh, let's get to the temper bedpost text machine, Kimpy. A uh, few are backed up there. You can rattle off some as we get towards the top of the hour, one and a half away from eight. Yeah, no worries. Reefton, this is where they reckon uh, there's a few down there. Da- Don Ladnip from League, Phil Jones from Basketball, Marty Banks, the great Marty Banks, caught up with him down in uh, Dunedin just recently, obviously for uh, Otago Rugby, the Philippi boys, the Harness Racing boys, yes, of 
want a bit of money on them, let me just tell you. And just scratching <laughs> the surface, that's from Steve. Uh, has to be the Parehaka Road uh, Smiley Barrett household. <laughs> Imagine, well, <laughs> Smiley, that, that's, Prol- that's half a dozen in one house. Yeah, <laughs> prolific. He could start his own nation state and finish, you know, high up on the Olympic medal chart. Yeah. I heard a story, apparently Bowden Barrett's like a scratch golfer right-handed and like five off his left. Plays left-handed too. Just or, decides to play left-handed sometimes. That's well, I Jordan's hope not a bad golfer st- himself. No, nah, he's a great golfer. He's a really good golfer. But apparently, his brother can just play both hands for shits and giggles. Like, come on, man. Yeah, it's like it's like we were talking about Dan Carter yesterday. He could have been ugly, right? But <laughs> give us a chance. He's got, got everything. And yeah, look in a mirror. Ah, oh, no, that's not fair. I'm not bitter at all, though, Kempe. As you can tell. And a million followers, too, just uh, who yeah. love looking at that pretty face. Just keeping with the Taranaki <laughs> theme here. Carl Pong is coming with All Blacks. Ian Allison, Kieran Crowley, as we knew, the great fullback. Alan Crowley in the sevens, of course, and uh, Hurricanes, Neil Crowley. So the Crowley should take on the Pariaka Road Barretts, I reckon, down there in South Taranaki. <laughs> Crowley? Wow, that would be good. Crowley v. Barretts. Uh, you're listening to uh, Daniel and Kempe for breakfast, and it's time to head off to news with Kubota. Four and a half minutes after eight o'clock, Izzy and Kempe for breakfast through to 9am before Smithy jumps on board. We must be into the final hour of the show. We must be into business time because I can see Conan and the Barbarian. It's Kempe's right arm and left arm. The singlet is out in force. Uh, Excellent. Cut it out. Cut it out. Cut it out. Gets a bit warm in here when the uh, office starts to fill up and there's a lot more wind in here than normal. A lot of hot air on this show today. Uh, thanks to the, the wonderful people out there who have been responding in kind uh, in great detail to our uh, Can't Wait question of the day. Uh, what region um, has provided the best sporting talent across New Zealand, uh, whether it's today or in the past? Um, why are we talking about this? We will get to that in just a second or two. Fear not. Do not worry. Uh, got a great one here um, that uh, relates well, it's via Twitter, in fact, as he hurriedly pulls it up. Uh, bear with me here, Kempe. It is from uh, Paul, who writes, Machawaka, Tony Blaine, cricketer, Bevan Congdon, cricketer, Josh Coppins, motocross, Owen Franks, rugby, David Harvilli, rugby, Tony Hodgkinson, athletics, Denny Holm, 1967, Formula One champion, and one you'll know well, we all do, Simon Mannering from Rugby League. Ooh, it's a pretty good game. list. He was yeah. at the game on the weekend, big big uh, Simon. Um, he's looking well too. Looks like he could run around again for another another 10 years. He was a champion. <laughs> he was. So keep your suggestions coming through on the Temper Bedpost text machine, double eight to double three. But Kempe at almost six minutes after eight o'clock. It is time for us to connect sport with the land, sir. Sport and the connection to the land on Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. Collier's Rural and Agribusiness. Licence REAA 2008. Yes, as Kiwis, we've always bocked well above our weight on the world stage when it comes to sports. And to measure that in 2020 at the Tokyo Olympics, New Zealand had the fourth highest medal tally per capita. The question is, what sets our country apart from other smaller sporting nations? Well, many would think it's because of our world-class facilities, but in reality it seems it's those Kiwi kids who grow up in rural areas that often thrive the most athletically. Why is that? Well, we have Bob Newport on the line with us this morning to explain these findings from a study he did on the very topic while completing his Masters at AUT. Thanks for joining us this morning, Bob, on Izzy and Kimby for breakfast. How you going, mate? 
Yeah, good. Thanks for having me along. Um, yeah, good morning to you guys. Good morning to New Zealand as well, I suppose. Hey, Bob, I'm one of those rural kids. I come from a small um, rural town called Waitara, um, and I'm pretty sure a lot of your study would have shown that that, that kids that excelled, uh, especially at the top of their game, came from those small towns. What can you tell us about that? Um, and, and just give us a little background to how you came about with that study. Um, yeah, I guess... Uh, for me, I suppose um, I'm like like you. I never made it past um, age group representative level, but I too come from a small town um, in rural Northland and grew up doing all those things. Um, which I suppose that kind of fed fed a little bit into my choice of study. Um, and yeah, big shout out obviously to the team at AUT and the supervisors that I had there with Simon Walters and Sarah Kate Miller and Jeff Dixon. Um, but yeah, I kind of. My interest and I guess my, my area of interest kind of lay within that sort of early stages and early development of athletes. So I sort of decided to look into um, what was going on in those early experiences for these. So I guess I was fortunate enough to um, talk to some elite hockey players that had come from sort of regional and rural communities um, and made it to that elite level. But what was happening in those really early stages for them around their sport and their play in those communities? Uh Great to have you on the show. I'm Daniel. I'm clearly a nobody, mate. Don't worry about that. Uh, at least Kempi has a bit of a claim to fame. So I'm fascinated uh, as to what, um, how we we get people to go up the ladder and actually become, you know, legitimate high class caliber athletes. So, what preconceptions did you perhaps go into your own study with Bob that um, you ultimately fa- found out that, you know, you 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 were maybe had misconceptions. Yeah, I, I guess you've always got to frame your research with kind of the reasons behind what you do it. And um, yeah, I guess there's in those smaller communities, and I mean, we're in New Zealand by, by global standards, even our urban centres are very big, but we're sort of those smaller communities. You kind of, there's sorts of things that go on in those smaller communities that kind of support. So there's lots of support and wraparound from the communities. Um, the kind of autonomy and choices that, that kids can make a little bit more, the, the opportunity to try a few different things, um, the I guess the, the responsibility and roaming and kind of that community support around the risky and real play side of things as well, um, with sort of some of those, I guess, preconceived thoughts that sort of fed into it. And, um, and I guess the findings didn't really... Um, I didn't disappoint on that front um, in, in the sense that a lot of the athletes I spoke to definitely were doing those sorts of things. They were, they were playing lots of different sports from a young age. They came from smaller communities where they were in small schools. And I guess there's reasons for that too. Like I suppose um, <coughs> in smaller schools, you often have the rugby team that becomes the basketball team, which becomes the volleyball team. So they try lots mm. of different things, um, mm. which I suppose feeds into that sampling mentality that we talk about a bit with, with sports. Um, also, the, the kind of roaming, the responsibility, um, the risk-taking at young ages. I mean, you've got athletes in, in those smaller communities that are on farms or bigger properties, uh, a little bit isolated at times, um, but, but they have those kind of early responsibilities that have been looking after the animals, moving the stock. Um, the parents are kind of doing their farming daily things and the kids kind of just get on and, and go and play by the creek and climb the trees and do all that sort of risky play. Um, but also that, that, I guess one of the biggest things for me um, that kind of came out of the research was that, that support notion and the, the community wraparound side of things. I mean, you can't, you can't take an athlete or a person out of the environment around them and particularly in those smaller communities, is that real wraparound support? Um, well, at least there was for these athletes that I spoke to anyway, that they sort of could roam the community and the community supported that. Everyone kind of knew who they were and looked out for each other 
um, access to facilities and sort of although the facilities might not have been sort of the best ones in those smaller communities, they kind of were able to use them um, and those sorts of things. But, but yeah, that, that's kind of some of those key things that came out of it, which is some of the ideas that I sort of had before, but also the findings definitely definitely reflected that. It's, it's really, um, I guess, another word that you can, you can use, um, Paul, is, a, is that word, uh, Bob, is that word, uh, resilience, you know, like what you're talking about through these pathways, you know, around that age of six to twelve, where you got your mates and you and you're doing everything, you know, you're racing across the river, you don't, you can't, you haven't got fifteen cents to get in the swimming pool, um, so that's how you learn to swim. You go, you go down and pick up the the older brother's surfboard out of the surf hut, so you learn to surf, and then all of a sudden, as you get older, the resilience that you've that you've built in through those ages sort of puts you on a pathway? Did you find that in your study, that as the kids got older and the more experiences they, they had in different pathways, that they then started to define what direction they were taking? Yeah, for sure. And I mean, and that sort of, I guess, speaks to some of the, the models in the literature with the developmental model of sport as well, where um, that early sampling, they're trying lots of different things at a young age. And as you say, the, the, the areas, these smaller communities kind of lend themselves to that or that's sort of part of that experience. But the resilience, the determination, and then kind of when you get to that sort of early teenage is when people did need to start to, to focus their attention a little bit more. Um, I guess what was interesting in this particular study was that they were how hockey players was were the people I was talking to. But... They, it wasn't so much that they chose hockey from an early stage, it was just kind of they enjoyed and loved what they did, they played lots of sport and I guess sort of by default they kind of were good at that sport and did well in that sport and then just kind of followed that pathway eventually but the resilience coming back to that I suppose, um, definitely there's some challenges that come with, with, with living in those smaller communities as well and, and, and I mean things like travel, cost, um, the quality of some of the facilities that you're using, all those sorts of challenges sometimes can also help create that resilience and that that sort of being able to overcome some of those challenges, um, I guess, sets them up really well. I know this was a study on our smaller rural communities in the regions, whatever we want to describe it, but was this in some way um, about sort of critically analysing how things could possibly be looked at in more urban areas, or are they two completely separate things like for example could i could i say you, your study shows that maybe urbanization is, is stifling development of, of sport here in new zealand well yeah that's that's a big call um yeah I, I can't probably can't draw those lines i mean the study the study itself was focused on rural and regional athletes and and it was really yeah. to try and look at what's going on in those smaller communities that that potentially is, is assisting or feeding into the development of these athletes and um, but, yeah, I mean, it's a big call to draw lines across and say, hey, these urban centres are ruining or killing our athletes because it's, it's not, yeah, there's lots no, of... No, 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 that, that's why I wanted to make it categorically clear <laughs> yeah. that this is just a focus on our, uh, you know, regional communities. And I'm sure a lot of these... Um, uh, a lot of these things that you are seeing that are helping support our, our regional um, athletes are probably being copied in, um, you know, so in a lot of urban uh, regions, wouldn't you think, MP? Yeah, for me, hundred percent. Like what what Bob's saying. Oh, look, I've got a question for you, Bob. You know, like when I grew up, you're, you're ten, you knew how to drive a car. You know what I mean? And I had a mate who lived down yeah. in the in the Okoki blocks, and they were like 
10 miles to the bus stop to catch the bus to school. So he'd pile all the kids into the car and and uh, get the kids to get jump, get the kids to the bus to get to school. And then he'd go and ride motorbikes all day out on the farm while they're they getting the dry stock in off the hills and stuff like that. And then come to football, he didn't have a pair of football boots, but you threw him the football because he just carved teams up. He was like he was like a man, <laughs> you know what I mean? So I know you're you're doing you're doing hockey, but do you find um that maturity? I guess it's that's the really the word that I'm looking at a more mature athlete than you do from what Dan's saying that that city type. Player, because when you when you look through some of the better athletes, they seem to be a hell of a lot more developed early on than they do if they come from the city. Yeah, I guess there's lots of things that could potentially contribute to that. I mean, we 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 talk about this, the rural communities, and I mean, New Zealand is a rural it's a rural country. We really are. Um, and as, as you say, your your examples and your stories speak to that a lot. And these the guys that I was talking to were doing that sort of thing too. So they're all they're all roaming, they're all playing in the creeks. They've got their group of mates, and they're the pickup sport, the muck around sport that they do, the deliberate play, the real play, the kind of unstructured stuff. Which I mean, the literature speaks to that too. That there's lots of really awesome developmental stuff that goes on in those spaces where you can try things that you might not try in front of the coach on the field. You know what I mean? Like you're developing and learning and creating. And you get all those experiences, you sample lots of things, but then you, that, that kind of real risky play and taking responsibility and ownership and making responsible risk decisions um, all kind of happening as, as well at the same time. And in and, and those smaller rural communities, maybe that's, that's happening in those spaces and maybe that's, the kids are allowed to do that a little bit more. I, I'm not really sure. I mean, in the urban settings, we always talk about the fact that there's a lot more people around. We don't necessarily let our kids roam as much. Um, whether that feeds into things, but I mean, you learn a lot from the urban settings too. I mean, you learn how to cross the road and look out for cars and all yeah. those other things as well. There's look, you're, you're a product, I guess, of your environment. You can't take the pe- the person away from the environment. They're kind of inseparable yeah. to an extent. And yeah, and I suppose to I guess to extrapolate or pull some of the one of the the biggest things that spoke to me from from what I studied was that support notion. And no matter where you are, um, if the support is there. And that supportive, creative, developmental environment is as part of the upbringing. Then, then you can't really go wrong. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what, yeah. the biggest, the biggest thing is the athletes were having fun and they enjoyed what they did, and that's that's the long game. That's what we're in it for, aren't we? We want the kids to yeah to be enjoying it and stay with it. <laughs> Yeah, indeed, Bob. So right. At last one from me, and I'm hearing so many positive, uh, you know, anecdotes and stories and points that you're raising, and that's my overall um, sort of impression. You know, there's lots of positive things here, but um, when speaking to uh, the athletes that you did, were there any obstacles that they still would like help overcoming? As far as for, for being a rural athlete and and. And participating yeah, in, in general. Event. In general, I don't know if it's the yeah. tyranny of distance to go from point A to point B. Uh, those types of things, you know, the, the, yeah. the time pressures. You know, you know, what what were some yeah. of the obstacles that they did have to overcome? Well, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it sort of speaks for itself in the sense that when we're in our more isolated communities, and I guess in, in in my local community as well, it's the same thing across the country, I suppose. Is the travel travel is always a big one, as and what what tends yeah. to happen, particularly. At, Start to make those elite teams or the or the age group teams as you have to go to the centres, um, and and for a lot of rural athletes that was a challenge because they needed the support. Like I had stories of parents that would drive for hours to get their kids to different sports events, um, and so travel yeah big one cost as always and and most sports 
is always a tricky one. And I suppose that speaks a lot to that support side of things because, I mean, parents, when I say support, it's not just parents, it's, it's peers, it's, it's siblings, it's coaches. Like these guys that I spoke to had very positive experiences with all of that. And, and, and maybe that's something too. In those small communities, your parents are often the coach. Um, and the volunteers, and they're involved in the sport as well. Um, but that, those those sorts of challenges around travel, around costs, the parents are often there supporting that. Um, the time, so maybe in the smaller communities, coming from farming families, potentially parents had more time to spend or tra- transport their kids around, that sort of thing, um, potentially is a consideration. Uh, the facilities, um, they, I mean, they're getting better and better as, as we speak, but in a lot of smaller communities, they're not the flashiest facilities at times um, but then there's a lot to be said there as well around learning to, to play on those kind of not as flash facilities but I mean they spoke of playing on grass fields, sand turf, water turf, like all the different but but that potentially develops some skill too and that adaptability and variability with, with what you're doing. Yeah and I can I can attest to all of that um, moving sheep off paddocks <laughs> <laughs> you know, not wanting, not wanting to get, not wanting to get tackled. Um, hey, that's Bob New. That's Bob Newport with a fantastic study, Bob. And honestly, the conversation that we've had on rural athletes this morning and and where they come from, and you've just added to that uh, with your sport and connection to the land. Thanks a lot for joining us this morning, Bob. You go well, and uh, really enjoyed the chat. Awesome. Thank you very much for having me, guys. And yeah, have a have a great Wednesday. Sport and the connection to the land. On Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. Collier's Rural and Agribusiness. Licence REAA 2008. Yeah, really fascinating stuff there from uh, Bob. It just shows how um, you know resilient, resourceful New Zealanders are, just generally speaking, aren't they, Kempe? I had to fight the fight for us urbanites. Yes, I know, and I, I, you threw them off. You threw them off there a little bit. I had to sort of rearrange the uh, the, the deck of cards then. Um, but yeah, look, well, I think it was always- I, I think when people hear hear something about a study, Kempe, they they often you know one plus one equals two. I just yeah. wanted Bob to clarify. It was solely about you know that aspect, and shouldn't be you know you know thrown over the fence, and you know that the opposite is is the true and urban centres. So. Just want to make that, you know. Yeah, no, that's and that's right. Like you'd like to, I can only talk to that in real terms about coming to tournaments. You know, when he said traveling, you know, traveling and the support network, because that was his major message there. Support. If it wasn't for our parents, we would never have been able to get to those big games that got us into those black jerseys. Like my parents in their old um, Fairmont, you know, Ford Fairmont, <laughs> nineteen seventy one XY Fairmont, um, would fill it up with CNG. Remember that CNG. Yeah, I do. That, you know, because because I couldn't afford a full tank of petrol and drive us from Taranaki to Christchurch to get to the tournament, and then spend the week wow. down there staying with family and friends because we couldn't afford motels just to make sure that we got through that tournament, and we could make it home. You know, so and I, that that story is so common, Dan, um, for young rural kids trying to trying to get, I guess, to the big cities to play in these these tournaments. And one of the biggest problems that I guess we never asked them the question was around. Um, financial services and support and what that looks like in the future because if we don't really look, I know I've, let's talk, look about rugby league at the moment like in the far north Whanganei and, and the far north if you go um, north of Kawakawa for instance so Whanganei to Kawakawa is 50k's 60k's well if you go north of there they can't get to play each other because it's too far 
to travel. So the Northern competition really never ever gets off the ground um, with these two two areas playing each other. So it's a it's a good conversation from Bob Newport. I think I think a timely one too. Yeah, indeed, indeed. So keep your um, can't wait questions of the day answers coming through to us on double eight double three. There's a bit of reaction on Twitter as well. I I, I see Lima Subawang is now weighed in. Um, what's suggesting that um, Isaac Luke and the boys from Tokoroa. Is it? Yeah, we have yeah, an easy yeah. one. Well, so he's voting. This is there's Joey Manu. He's got the name wrong. Is he? Joey Manu, is it? Well, from Tokoroa. You're the expert, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. So Lima might have got it wrong. I see. Yeah, Isaac Luke's from so Lima. Yeah. So uh, Tokoroa getting some love there as well. We want to know uh, what small town, what rural area of New Zealand has produced the best athletes, whether it's today or. Uh, from eras gone by. I've had great reaction to it. Keep them coming. Really have enjoyed um, um, reading them out and you know hearing um, people claiming athletes who were born in different islands and nowhere near um, Invercargill or Southland. Isn't that right, Neves? Peter Snow's a Southlander. <laughs> <laughs> Peter Snow. Hello, Matt, till the cows come home. Don't worry, they come <laughs> home every night, every morning. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. You are listening to Daniel and Kempe for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrance. We will take a short break. Back with plenty more. It's 24 after 8. Suppliers, subbies and more can take it out of you. But with PayApps, you can work smarter. PayApps is a contractor software that standardises your progress claims, saving you time chasing paperwork or amendments while getting your head out of spreadsheets. Approve subcontractor payment claims faster and streamline your admin with PayApps. Everything you need to manage progress claims in one platform. Used by leading builders worldwide, visit payapps.com. Ah, that's the sound of home. A house built with expert care and attention by Generation Homes isn't just a house, it's a home. A place that sets the stage for the rhythm of your life, whatever that may be. With agreed timeframes and fixed prices, building with Generation Homes is easier than you might think. Text GENERATION to 3001 to start today or visit generation.co.nz. Generation Homes, making building easy. Live ball-by-ball coverage of our Black Caps, brought to you by Resine Paints, proud partner of ECNZ cricket coverage. Three centuries in a series for Daryl Mitchell. He raises his bat, pumps his fist. Resine, New Zealand's most trusted paint brand. Mornings with Ian Smith. God knows what time it is in Pakistan and Lahore. That's where uh, our next guest is uh, sitting. Matt Henry was deep in the middle of it. How do you celebrate these days in Pakistan? We never won a game, so I don't quite know. 2am here now. We think we'll probably get our bags packed, put them outside our room, and then we'll probably all come together in the team room for a little bit and order some food and have a nice quiet one because it's not a, um, far away from the next game either. So there's no uh, limo and there's no champagne up the hill tonight, you're saying? <laughs> no, none of that. Catch Smithy this morning from 9 on SCNZ. When it comes to sport, you don't always have to agree. So let's have a yarn. Join me, Mark Stafford, 12 to 4 weekdays, only on SCNZ. Support a healthy immune system with Go Healthy Verdefence 60s from Chemist Warehouse, now $23.99. You're listening to Izzy and Kempe for breakfast on SCNZ. 29 minutes after 8 o'clock, better head off to Aroha and the news. Uh, the Tokoroa uh, Mafia have come out in force, Kempe. I've just been sent a list of just rugby players from Tokoroa. It's quite impressive. Any list with Walter Little on it get, wins my heart. Yeah, uh, yeah fantastic stuff. Uh, thank you very much uh, to... It's quite an avatar you have, 
Uh, Paul, I'm going to guess your name is Paul from that. On double eight double three, someone writing here. Tolaga Bay, All Blacks, Māori All Blacks, Otara Hillary College, Junior Kiwis, Kiwis, schoolboys, Kiwis. You'll know Dean Clark, MP. <laughs> I do know Dean. I was actually a very, very good friend, uh, Dean Clark, who went through all the junior grades and the Kiwi teams with Clarky, um, and, a, and a mad whānau from Ōtaha, who, which is a great club up here in Auckland, which has probably got the most Kiwi captains ever. And uh, I'll rattle off a couple, Richie Barnett, uh, Tawara Nico, Huey McGarn, Mark Graham, Ruben Wiki. Should I keep going? That's a pretty good list, man. That's yeah. a pretty good list, isn't it? Yeah, pretty good list. And I, I assume Christos has taken the, the proverbial here when he goes, morning, boys, maybe do a poll to see if we want Izzy to come back. Um, <laughs> go MSP. So it's, he's obviously from the Maris Mafia in Wellington. Um, you know, thank you, uh, Christos. I appreciate that. Don't worry. Uh, do, don't fret. Izzy's definitely coming back. Costa, stop it. Couple of baguettes and some ananas. Uh, for Kempe, I'm sure. Uh, we are about to head off to news with Anoha. I'll up, quickly update the Champions League. Uh, there has been some movement in the game between Real Madrid and Char- uh, Chelsea. Unsurprising, uh, Chelsea fans. Uh, your side's getting battered. Uh, it's one goal to nil to Real Madrid, 3-0 on aggregate. That's what I mean, battered. 3-0 on aggregate in the UEFA Champions League. These are second-leg games, of course, so surely no way back for the hapless uh, Chelsea at the moment. They really are. Um, ship without a rudder, cool. sail, uh, or a hope, or a, or, a, or a captain, it would seem. Um, while the uh, all-Italian fair between uh, Napoli and Milan, Napoli, of course, are runaway leaguers, uh, leaders in Serie A, but they'll need to come back from a long way back if they are to progress to the next round. They trail Milan 1-0 on the day and now 2-0 on aggregate. We're into the 67th minute. Uh, Milan leading two goals to nil on aggregate uh, thanks to Olivia Giroud's goal after 43 minutes put them in front today. It's the very latest um, from the Champions League. Let's uh, head, though, to Aroha with the news for Kubota. Better late than never, eh, Aroha? Uh, together we are shaping and building New Zealand. 14.76am in Auckland. This is SENZ. It's Kiwi for Sport. Making SENZ News this hour, an independent review has been greenlit by Gore Council members as the council continues to struggle with relationship breakdowns and governance being investigated. Fire and Emergency believes a fire at a block of Auckland departments in Newmarket was deliberately lit. And Absolute Vodka has halted all exports to Russia again after backlash in its... Twenty-seven away from nine o'clock. This is Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. Andrew McCarty in for Izzy. Kempe is still here. Long day for Kempe. Running it straight coming up from three o'clock. Due and makeup at midday. Live streamed on Facebook and YouTube. <laughs> that long. You can check it out. That long. That long. Now that's for that's that's for Sam, mate. Oh, of course. Just, mate, you yeah, seen that thing? On, you seen that caterpillar on his lip, mate? That needs some grooming. <laughs> well, I've got to give him some respect for actually sticking it out. Really, I'd. I would have thought, I'm shaking my head, people. That's what I'm doing. That's what I'm thinking. It's like, no. <laughs> I'll, I'll no. tell you what, Dad, on the weekend, I was surprised it was still on there, the amount of wind that was going through, Mount Smart at the time. I thought it would. Do, I thought he'd get it, lo- it was lost. It was lost to the wind, but no, it's real. <laughs> he'll, ne- he'll never make a list of greatest moustaches in all of sport. No <laughs> doubt about that. Time for our TV catch-up with uh, Paul Moare joins us for another day. 
Uh, you can bet live for your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today, and I'm sure a few people are doing that. But the Champions League on right now, Mr. Moari, I'm sure... Um, anyone with common sense just got on Real Madrid head-to-head to beat Chelsea because Chelsea are, are rubbish at the moment. Yeah, they're not doing too well. Uh, Real Madrid, of course, up 1-0 and up 3-0 on aggregate. So it looks like Chelsea are on their way out. There's still around 15 minutes to go in the second leg of that UEFA Champions League match. Uh, but uh, the faithful at Stamford Bridge uh, don't think they're going to walk away happy after this match. And in the other one... Uh, Napoli, um, who are at the top of the Serie A and daylight second, they're down 1-0 to AC Milan at home, down 2-0 on aggregate, I think around just under 20 minutes to go there. They're in danger of dropping out of the Champions League as well. So, yep, there were a lot of backers of Real Madrid uh, before the uh, match started this morning around 7 o'clock. Um, and we did take some money on Napoli, to be fair. Um, so they, they're underperforming in terms of the amount of action that we took on them uh, before the match started. So, yep, both scores 1-0 in those matches to the away teams, and it looks like it could be all over for Chelsea and Napoli in terms of Champions League action. Hey, Paulie, what about uh, races today at Matamata? Where's all the money going? Uh, well, you probably already know, Kempi, but uh, I'll let the uh, listeners know as well. <laughs> We're... <laughs> Yeah, there's one that's been very, very popular uh, with punters, uh, Kempi. I think I may have actually heard you uh, mention it earlier this morning. Uh, first of all, race four, number 10, Savicat, $2 into $1.80, has been very well backed. Uh, but in race five, number one, Huzzah, two seventy into $1.85, absolutely smashed. Everyone wanted to get on. Every, pretty much everyone has. And there's one other in race eight, um, number seven out of the Richie Murray barn to be ridden by Woodamu Pin nah, enraptured uh, there are three year old filly $6 into $5 that has been very well backed in that race so number seven enraptured in race eight uh, don't forget the NBA playoffs continue today there are three matches we've got a same game claim on all three matches uh, the Celtics who look like they're just a wee bit too classy for the Atlanta Hawks. They've got a one-game lead in that series. They're $1.19 to beat the Hawks today at $4.55. The other two games, though, they're very, very interesting. Of course, the Knicks upset the Cavs in Game 1. They're $2.80 outsiders today. And the Clippers, uh, who took Game 1 against the Phoenix Suns in Phoenix, uh, yet again, they're three sixty-five outsiders against the Suns, who are a $1.27 favourite. Uh, and they're also eight-point favourites, the Phoenix Suns. We've taken money on both teams, but in terms of the Boston Celtics game, it's one-way traffic. It's all about the uh, Celtics. That's the only team they want in that game, punters. Paulie, great to chat to you, my friend. Go have a great day. I just want to say one thing, though. Whoever set the odds uh, for the Toronto Maple Leafs to win the Stanley Cup at $9, tell them to give themselves an uppercut. Uh, as a big uh, Toronto Maple Leafs fan, they're never going to win the Stanley Cup ever again, mate. I, I've just resigned myself to that fact, mate. Nine bucks, having a laugh, son. <laughs> it sounds like there's a curse on the Maple Leafs, not unlike the uh, the curse that was on the Chicago Cubs. And they didn't win for, what, over 100 years? So there's, you, all you have to yeah. do is wait for another, what, 70 or 80 years? Don't worry about it. <laughs> oh, God. Thanks, Paulie. Oh, God. Thanks well, so much. Boys. Have a great day.
Uh, Paulie Mawadi from the TAB. Watch a bit light on your favourite uh, sports and racing at tab.co.nz. Please gamble responsibly. And R18. It was R18 when I was thinking there about you know waiting another 70 years for the, <laughs> for the Maple Leafs. Last time we won, that we won, I think there were six teams in the competition. That, that tells you everything you need to know, Kempe. It's been a long time. It's a long time between drinks. And I'm a novice to the show and the structure of your weekly uh, segments. Are we heading to the rumour mill? We are. Are we heading to the rumour mill? We are. The rumour mill with Izzy and Kimball. Yes, it's that time of the week, Mr McCarty, and the ears to the ground, and we've just walked through the doors of every best rumour that's going around at the moment, and I've got one, hot off the press, came off yesterday actually, got a phone call from a mate's up in Queensland, you know, the great pineapple pineapple country, and uh, he didn't really want to say why Brad Thorne had been punted from the Queensland Reds. But rumour has resigned. it. Resigned. Resigned. Yes, but let me let me redesign where he's headed. Apparently, defensive coach of the All Blacks. <laughs> Apparently. Wow. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. I got a rumour. Apparently, SENZ headquarters is moving to Tokodoa so we can piss excellence every week. <laughs> <laughs> At the High Performance Centre, that High high Performance New Zealand apparently are building a multi-million dollar High Performance Centre down there with a radio studio on the roof. Exactly. Mate, that's nearly as good as as my next next one. Jack Whiten heading to the Warriors. (laughs) Seriously. There was a a delayed... There was a delayed... But he's not worth it. Spud Carroll told us that. I know, but, you know... I guess when Sean finally leaves, they need to find another halfback. And uh, rumour has it that Jack Whiten is talking to the Warriors about making Auckland his home. Mm. Mate, it is the capital of New Zealand. It is the capital of Aussie in Canberra. Capital city. Yeah, absolutely. To everyone who lives in Auckland. Uh, Giancarlo uh, Italiano, he's going to sign Chris Wood. Did you hear that? Oh, about time we have a striker that can't score goals. They just add to the add to the other hundred that we've had. Oh, harsh, harsh, harsh. Oh. Can't score goals when you're injured, I guess, Kempi. Yeah, here's a rumor. Yeah. I reckon this one's true. That Beaver Donald has overtaken Izzy in the weight skate. Apparently, in the last month, he's put on 15 kilos. And they've, like had to, they've had to go to a new or bad weight. They've had to go to a, cross, a croissant factory to make their own croissants from now on because they can't find any. They've eaten out the south of France. <laughs> so it's not 15 kgs of good weight. <laughs> you're telling me croissant. Yeah, I've actually got a um, I've got a rumor here, fellas. Now this comes um, after Joe's news report the other day. Very interesting. The Phoenix are uh, getting rid of Ufuk Tillay. Turns out Stephen Lampard's on the plane and he's on the way over to New Zealand at the moment. <laughs> is he, is he, a Neeps, is he like a love child? Uh, well, that's what I've heard th- through the rumours, of course. <laughs> but, that's, but that's what's he coming out to be? The assistant, the assistant coach will play? Assistant coach, because player, he's also going to be the no. general manager as well. 
don't coach. I don't want them to coach. To play. Neither of them can coach. <laughs> Neither of them can coach. I don't want. I, I want them. Well, they might as well get them. up front and become strikers because I have more chance than Chris Wood. Right, Chris Wood never to appear on Izzy for Kempi for breakfast. <laughs> that is not a rumour. That's a fact. Right there. I think I've entered into the spirit of this contest. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. There's plenty of them out there at the moment. And uh, the one I like, though, I actually think that Brad Thorne coming here to tighten up the All Blacks defensive line, mate, get it done. Come on, Robbo, yeah. get it done. Yeah, mate, get him in there. <laughs> Get him in there. <laughs> 17 away from 9. Thank you, Ken P. Very interesting. Very interesting rumour, Mill. We'll be back after this. 12 away from 9 o'clock. This is Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. I know, Kempe, you're, uh, you're high on the, um, the the Phoenix and possibly what they could achieve in future seasons. You, you feel there's a good base there as playing stocks, and it's probably a good job to take over if you coach, is probably what you're thinking, right? 100%. 100%. I reckon... And I only say that, Dan, because uh, my boy, he, so he's 26 now. When we went to the Ames Games when he was 11, so some 15-odd years ago, I got I was blown away for those 11-year-olds playing soccer. And I thought, in the future, New Zealand's going to have a really, really good soccer team. And I think now's that time, between, between now and the next 10 years, where our kids are actually going to really step up to the plate. Well, Wellington Phoenix clearly a big part of the development of New Zealand football. Um, how about I pick over the bones of the press conference yesterday that announced the uh, new coach of the Wellington Phoenix, Giancarlo Italiano, if you missed the news, replacing Ufuk Tale, the assistant coach, stepping up to the head coaching role uh, over the next two years. Uh, Sean Gill, the director of football, uh, pointed out they're thrilled to make this appointment internally. Uh, they feel it's critical to the club that they not only develop players, but they're also uh, developing staff and coaches. I think they've got at least three with pro badges now, uh, another uh, group of two or three training for that. Rob Morrison, the chairman and principal owner, also stepped in and said they've known for some time that Tele would not be coaching next season. And they started off by looking internally, and then after concluding interviews internally, felt they didn't need to enter the market. Uh, Kempe, uh, that, that's that's quite a, a quite a pat on the back for the new coach. He's won them over on you know love at first sight. Well, I think you know, and this is one of the areas where IP gets lost, doesn't it, Dan? When you when you have yeah. coaches come in and then all of a sudden you push them out and you don't see them around for too long. I think any coach that has done quite well with a club like Ufuk has, for instance. Um, he should have a say in who the next successor is, understanding the culture and the environment. And you're dead right. So they've obviously looked at um, Gianfranco and gone, uh, Giancarlo and gone, yes, you know, this guy can coach and he is someone for the future as we build our team, um, along with Chris Wood at, so- at Striker. You know, <laughs> it's, I reckon, a really exciting time and, and somewhat yeah. not too dissimilar to what the Warriors are doing with Andrew Webster as a 40 year old. You know, like, so he's got very young coach got to obviously bring his own, this is the, the next step, bring his own mix into the play because for me, like you said, the pro badges, who, he's, who has he got that's filling those other seats underneath him that can actually get the best out of the team, especially now that players also know what he's like as an assistant coach, does that transition to a head coach, um, is it smooth or, or can he make it smoother by, by getting the right appointments? Yeah, yeah, very interesting. You also mentioned that, that they've already got a couple of candidates in mind for replacing him as assistant coach. Uh, as far as his background, he got into that. In a lovely story of how he got into coaching, he was a Sunday league football player, essentially, and basically the club's team coach went AWOL. 
um, and someone on the team said, I reckon you'd be a really good coach. So he essentially uh, stood in. The team started to go well, um, and then he just progressed up the ranks. Where he came across Ophiktale, he was under-20 coach at Sydney FC under Graham Arnold. Uh, Tele arrived as an assistant coach. We know what happened there. Tele then gets promoted, gets the job of the Wellington Phoenix, and he brings over Italiano as, a, uh, as an analyst um, and more recently as an assistant coach. Um, so, you know, before he got into coaching, uh, before he came in here to New Zealand, uh, he was contemplating uh, becoming, uh, and I quote, a very unhappy lawyer. <laughs> um, he was about to finish his degree, but now he's just done his pro license badges. Uh, he's softly spoken. He's got a lovely sort of presence about him, but lovely self-deprecating humour. Uh, I hope he goes really well. Um, and it, he did pay tribute to Ufuk Dalai, who did um, offer him so much uh, support and doesn't think he would have put his name forward um, uh, without uh, Ufuk Dalai's nice. um, thoughts uh, and called him a father figure. I know we're running out of time, but uh, maybe we'll talk about this tomorrow. But Rob Morrison had some rather interesting things to say about New Zealand football and the lack of development uh, from New Zealand football. So I might hold off on those and drop those uh, in your lap tomorrow at some stage. But we've got to take a break. Um, Yep, so Giancarlo uh, Italiano will take over the race. Congratulations. Wellington Phoenix. Yeah, well done. Good luck to him and good luck to the team for the remainder of the season. Long may it continue, we say, back after this. Our Champions League, Victor Osimhen has just scored for Napoli with uh, a minute remaining in added time. It's back to one all on the day and 2-1 on aggregate. They're trailing AC Milan. I'm sure Smithy will follow this after 9am. He is here to preview this magnificent program. And with a reorganised memorabilia wall behind a magnificent um, structure there, Smithy, what have you got lined up on your show after 9 I just got a call from Cameron George too. I've got a beautiful Warriors jersey on the way just to... Uh, the top, yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, he said that, Smithy. Just, just make sure you get those corporate box tickets when they head down there to play the Broncos. Hey, I want to I want to talk about the boat ramp hat behind you. Like, do you actually wear that? Are the, you a skipper? The, that one there? Yeah, that's the one. The captain. Steady yeah, the ship. That's the captain. Captain the, Kane Williamson. Captain the ship. Steady the ship, boy. What's, what's wrong with that? There you hey. go. Where's the signature? Uh, the signature? What, what about the Winks one up the top there? As I said the other day. Signed by Hugh Bowman. Right, Chris Waller. You were an owner, were you? Wow. Yeah, and I've got I've got one in the wardrobe as well, Kempi. It's actually signed by the horse, (laughs) (laughs) Mister Ed. (laughs) Talking about horses. What do you got coming up? (laughs) Well, I've got Louis Herman what with me again today. Can you believe my luck? So there'll be a little bit of the old horse talk on the agenda. Don't you worry about that. Being a race day at Matter Matter too, just by the by. And the first actually goes before the show's over. We could make money before the show's even over. How fantastic is that? Uh, And isn't it false advertising when you talk about me being the doyen when you've got the snake from Wellington on a rainy day? Uh, operating uh, 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 the breakfast show, isn't it? Isn't it? It's just false advertising. I'm humbled, Smithy. I don't believe in a single <laughs> syllable that fell out of your mouth, though. <laughs> the snake, eh? The snake. I've known one or two snakes over the years. Usually it's not a complimentary nickname, but we'll, we'll catch up no, at some point. No. no, it's not. You don't want to know the story. No one wants to know the yeah, we'll story. Get it, we'll I get, get it out of him, Smithy. We'll get it you out of him. You never want to know the story. I promise ye. Thanks so much, Smithy. Have a great show. Give, show. Give my best to, to uh, Louis and uh, Kempe. Another treat. And- Catch you tomorrow.